When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Well, it's Friday, at least on the East Coast and in most of the country. And if you're tuned into this program, you know what that means. It's your opportunity to ask questions on anything at all. It's time for... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Whatever you have questions about, now is the time to ask them. If you have questions about uh, Star Trek, uh, the very apropos this weekend, because tonight I'm going to be with El Capitan himself, the great William Shatner. If you have questions about uh, Atlantic City, gambling, anything related to the Super Bowl, if you have questions about uh, alcohol, if you have questions about parenting, if you need advice about something, if you have questions about the radio business, you want to know some inside information on uh, the radio business, if you have question about, uh, questions about my personal history, where did this Frank Morano character come from, if you have questions about why I believe what I say that I believe, if you have questions about anything, anything that you are genuinely curious about, call right now, 800-848-9222. And if it's uh, whoever comes up with the most creative question, the most interesting question, as determined by Matt Blaze, Alex Barnard, and Kenneth, we will give you a prize. So, Whoever comes up with the most interesting question, we'll give you a prize. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let's get this out of the way and say hello to E. Frank in Astoria. Hello, E. Frank. Yes, hello, Frank. I'm glad that I'm in the way, just like my uh, high school uh, chum, Laura Cavanaugh, who is in the way. Uh, Yeah, I want to ask you this question. Uh, It's something that I've been pondering for many, many weeks now because I hear things about Mayor Adams that are negative in nature from your colleague there, Curtis Lewa, that uh, Mayor Adams... Yes, what's the the question, E. Frank? What's the question? My question is, if Mayor Adams steps down as mayor... Uh, and they can't really, you know, say they're going to get a deputy mayor to run the city. Who would actually run a city when a mayor steps down? That's actually a pretty I've good. Wondered that. It's a pretty good question. It's different in city to city. I'll tell you how it works in New York, and this is a, an issue that I've studied pretty closely, including how other cities do it. But uh, the way it works in New York is the public advocate Jamani Williams would take over as the acting mayor for sixty days. And then there would be a special election, a nonpartisan special election with ranked choice voting uh, to determine the next mayor. Uh, so that uh, that's that's what would occur. And um, I don't think that that's likely anytime soon, but 
that's the that's the thing. By the way, let me reiterate just because of that long wind up we got from me, Frank. That uh, there's always a lot of frustration on the part of the listeners who uh, tune in for this segment. Ask questions, right? Questions begin with words like what, where, who, why, how, does, do. Don't give a whole commentary. Oh, I went to high school with Laura Kavanaugh. We went to the prom together. Uh, She drank from the punch bowl. And here's my question. Just ask a question. How, why, where, why, do, what. And if I need additional information, I'll ask you for it. Okay. 800-848-9222. Igor is in New Jersey. Hello, Igor. Greetings, Frank. So I'll get to a quick question here and then to my main. The quick question is the most important thing that happened during the State of the Union dress. Uh, uh, Kirsten Cinema wore that yellow dress. What did you think about it? I, you know, look, I'm a fan of Kirsten Cinema. I like her voting record. I like her persona. I like everything about her. And I like her sense of style. And I love that dress. I thought it was great. It's, yeah, it was certainly, certainly stood out. No question about it. All right, so here's the question I have. Now, you told us that uh, because of eggflation, you gave up eggs. Uh, your wife and, and son still have them, but you, you gave them up. And so my question is, Frank, if you had to do some additional belt tightening in the Murano household, and I hope it doesn't have to happen, of the following things, what would you give up in order? Oh, boy. And the things are alcohol, mm-hmm. gambling in Atlantic City, mm-hmm. cigars, mm-hmm. buying new books, or cheese from France. Okay. Uh, all right. So we got uh, booze, gambling, cigars, books, and uh, and cheese. Right. What would I give up? Um, well, look. I get the the easiest uh, is gambling. Right. That would be number one uh, because you could still enjoy the whole Atlantic City experience without gambling. And uh, so that would be that would be number one. Then I'm going to say new books uh, because I have more than I can read in a lifetime. As it is, I'll say books. Um, then I will say, I'll say cheese third, uh, cigars fourth and alcohol five. So I'm going gambling books, cheese, um, uh, cigars and, and booze. Thank you, Igor. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Mike is in Denver in Colorado. Hello, Mike. Hey, Frank. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, hopefully you can hear me. Okay. You sound great, Mike. What's on your mind? Uh, Outstanding. So actually, your conversation about Sid and Eric Adams sort of sparked this uh, question in my mind. Um, My question would be, in your opinion, who is the most controversial or edgy host in the history of WABC and why? Well, look, it it depends on um, on how you how you count controversy and how you can count edginess like we've had a lot like i miss obviously was probably one of the most controversial one of the most edgy talk show hosts in history but the bulk of his edginess and controversy took place before he worked at wabc and certainly the the rutgers incident which is his most controversial incident that took place before he was at wabc so i'm going to say i'm going to say bob grant because He's one of the few people that I can um, remember that worked at WABC that got fired because of remarks that he made on WABC. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Bob Grant. That's my pick. 
All right. Well, that's that's a good pick. I would agree with Imus. I mean, you know, I think um, when he got to WABC, his persona kind of changed, obviously, oh, after, yeah. no doubt about it. you know, what happened. But no, um, no I would agree. That's that's a good answer. Yeah, no doubt about it. Thank you, Mike. I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, Imus's first uh, week or two that he was on WABC, I would be in the control room and I'd be there with Bernard McGurk and Lou Rufino. And on the air, I, uh, Bernie made a joke about Joy Behar. And I don't remember what the setup to the joke was, but it, basically it was about something unlikely to happen. And Bernie made the joke of, um, you know, oh, yeah, that has about as much chance as happening of, uh, as Joy Behar has of being on the cover of uh, Maxim magazine. Now, it was funny. Because Joy Behar, lover or hater, she doesn't exactly look like a model that would be featured on Maxim. It's very funny. And so they go to commercial, and Imus immediately starts chewing Bernie apart. Now, that wasn't unusual because he'd always chew Bernie apart. But he would immediately start tearing Bernie apart, and he's saying, what are you picking on Joy Behar for? She's an innocent person. You can't go after her. So that's how chastened Imus was. That's how chastened Imus had become. After that comeback, that's how afraid he was of being controversial that he and I'm telling you, when I say he screamed at him, he screamed at Bernie just for making a joke. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Ray is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Ray. Yes, Frank. Real quick. Um, I got two little ones, eight years old and four. I'm going to Atlantic City in mid-March. What is the best hotel that I should I should go to? Well, that's a good question. Um, I would I would stay on the boardwalk, right? So, uh, it do your kids like the pool? Yes. All right. So I would say uh, your two best ben, your two best bets are the um, the ocean or the Hard Rock because probably more so the ocean because they have a really nice pool area that the kids would would enjoy and um, both of those places are right near the Steel Pier which have uh, I don't know how how you know recently you've been to Atlantic City but they have all these great rides especially for the eight year old and there's uh, all these vendors you know cotton candy and you know all sorts of food and junk food and stuff like that that I I think both of the kids would like, but it's right up the block or not up the block, but up the boardwalk from the Rainforest Cafe, which is a great place to take a four year old or an eight year old. So I would stay either at the Hard Rock or the ocean because uh, especially in the case of the ocean, they both have great pools. But the ocean, I would give a little bit of an edge to you're right near the Steel Pier Amusements and you're not too far from the Rainforest Cafe. So I would go one of those two, ocean or Hard Rock. Thank you, Frank. Sure thing. Uh, let me know how you enjoy your visit. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. John is in Garden City. Hello, John. Hey, Frank. Uh, quick question and a follow-up with question. Sure. Um, so I called a few days ago in regards recommending that movie, Di- game show Dynamos. Um, just to give you a heads up, they're very accessible. They're on the West Coast. You can only interview the, da- the daughter if you want to put on the show as a guest, you know, in regards to that topic of game shows and so forth. Uh, second thing, um, regarding um, um, uh, Bob Grant, I was always amazed by his brilliancies and how smart he was. Did you ever see him read books? What kind of books did he read? I was, I was, you know, this is before emails around. I always wanted to find out what was he reading. I want to be as smart as him. What do you know about his life, what, what interaction he had with him? What was he doing? 
Um, you know, what was his, his interest in, in, in topics and so forth? What do you know? If you well, share I, I you know, so I knew Bob um, really from about the last 10 years of his life. Right. So I did not know Bob uh, in the 80s and 90s when he was kind of in his prime as the uh, as the king of talk radio. I knew him kind of right after that. But um uh, when I knew him, most of what uh, he got is, in terms of reading, most of what I saw him do was reading in the, the newspapers. He would spend a lot of time going through the papers. I did not know him uh, as a big book reader at the time I got to know him. Now, he he had to be earlier in his life because he had such an encyclopedic knowledge of history. Yeah. So, But I don't right. know what kind of books that he read. And, you know, towards the end of his life, he was a big uh, cable news viewer. I would go to visit him in uh, Tom's River where he was living at the time and he would watch Glenn Beck and he would watch Fox News. He was uh, all into cable news. So I, I don't in the time that I knew him, he was not a big book reader. He would devour newspapers and periodicals. But uh, I'm sure earlier in his life he was, but just not when I got to know. Uh, and I know uh, Jay Diamond is probably listening. Jay, if you're listening, feel free to text me with some additional information about what Bob did read back in the day, because nobody knows Bob Grant better than uh, Jay Diamond. Dan is in Farmingdale. Hello, Dan. Yeah, Frank, Star Trek question. In the original series, the episode with the uh, transporter malfunction, when they wind up on the alternate universe right mirror uh, mirror great episode great episode that's right mirror mirror i couldn't think of it uh the the evil kirk had a device in his uh quarters called the tantalus field are you familiar with what i'm talking about yes very yes okay if you had such a device would you use it on who and why so if uh, for people that have not seen that episode of mirror mirror and even for my own sake what the tantalus field would do it was essentially just make your enemies disappear right Correct. Yeah. So um, who would I use it on, if anyone? Look, I'm sure there are some very bad guys in the world right now, like world leaders that are uh, or uh, leaders of narco terrorist groups. But my fear in using it on someone like that, and I think we saw this with Saddam Hussein, we saw this with uh, we saw this with Gaddafi in Libya, we saw this with uh, Mubarak in Egypt. My fear is if, let's say, you take an autocratic dictator and you t- you take him out with the tantalus field, there seems to always be another bloodthirsty thug ready to take their place, and you don't know if uh, the person that's replacing that person is worse. In terms of people in my own life that I would. Um, that I know personally, no, I wouldn't want anybody uh, to disappear. Because, look, I I think it's very easy to get through life if um, everybody that you know is friendly with you. But really, that's not how life is. Life's about uh, how you deal with challenges, how you deal with people that challenge you, how you deal with people that are obstinate, how do you deal with people that are stubborn, how you deal with people that give you a hard time. You know, it's funny, and thank you for the call, Dan. You know, we have this... Uh, Facebook group, and you could join at facebook.com slash group slash Radio Morano. Every day I get emails from people in the group asking me to remove three or four members of that group. And I'm not going to remove them. And what I always say to these people is, if it's such an issue for you to deal with so-and-so, block them. Block them. There's nothing forcing you to read their comments, and there's certainly nothing forcing you to respond to them. They give me a hard time. So you know what I do? I just ignore it because um, that's how life is. I wouldn't want to remove them. They've got just as much a right to be heard as anybody else does. If you don't like it, block them or ignore them. 
So um, I would not, if I could magically make one of my enemies disappear, absolutely not. I would not do that. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Mike on Long Island. Hello, Mike. Hey, Frank. How you doing? Good. Thanks. All right. I got three singers. I got Elvis. I got Sinatra and Michael Jackson. Rate them in their importance and tell me why. Um, Well, look, I I don't think anybody compares with uh, Sinatra because of his longevity, because of his versatility, because of his depth. Uh, So I'm rating uh, Sinatra uh, number one for all those reasons. I'm rating Elvis two because as as, uh, Bill O'Reilly says in his book, Killing the Legends, Elvis really changed the culture. He changed not only musical taste, but he changed fashion and everything else. And uh, I'll rate Michael Jackson third just because he's third, right? Um, so uh, I'm going Sinatra, Elvis, Michael Jackson. And uh, Pete in Piscataway, it's that away. Hello, Pete. Hi, Frank. From the original series, there were three or, there was four Klingon portrayals in the original series. Which was the best Klingon portrayal from the original series? I'm going to say um and I I'm not sure if it was Kor or um or Koloff but the one that was played by um by John uh Kolakos I think his name was um uh, uh, he, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, John Kolakos. He do you Andrew know Murphy? Yeah, well he was in I think he was in a couple of episodes and then he, they actually brought him back in the uh, yeah, he was in Errand of Mercy. I don't remember. Yeah, he was actually the first Klingon ever seen on Star Trek in that episode, Errand of Mercy. And uh, I don't remember. I don't remember the name of his character. But uh, that's that's my that that's probably the one that I'm. That's probably the one that I'm picking. He, he was named uh, Kor. Core, yeah, okay, that sounds that sounds uh, that sounds right. And then um, the one that was look, they had a that that episode with Abraham Lincoln um, on that planet where they do a recreation of um, Kalis. I thought the guy that played Kalis was pretty good, so uh, I would go with Kalis. And I don't know, I don't know who the actor was. And then um, the fe- there were several good Klingons in the trouble with Tribbles, but I- I'm going to probably go with the guy um, Darvin, uh, the guy that was the disguised Klingon in that episode, Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, that's a good one. I like Michael Ansara, the one with Day of the Dove. That was that was probably the, the that really was good a one. great one. I enjoy. I watched that episode just recently. Uh, that is a good one. I can't take anything away from that. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. One open line. If you want to uh, call in with a question, this is the other side of midnight. We're doing an Ask Frank anything. Whatever you have questions about, whatever you're genuinely curious about, now's the time to ask. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Who is going to be performing 
at the Super Bowl halftime show this Sunday. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I mean, you know, I don't get that excited about the halftime show, but she's a good performer. Got a lot of great songs, and uh, this is something that they've been trying to get her to do for a while. You know, there's always people that they're trying to get them to do something. They've been trying to get Tom Hanks to host the Academy Awards for 20 years. He doesn't want to do it. They've been trying to get Rihanna to perform at the Super Bowl for the last 15 years. Easy. And she has not wanted to do it until this year. She said now that she's a mom... She feels that she can do anything. So uh, my sister, and I don't agree with this, but my sister Claudia believes that Rihanna performing at the halftime show is a bigger deal than the Super Bowl itself. I disagree, but that's what some people are saying. All right, we are doing a... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Alex is in California. What's your question, Alex? Um, among all the all your colleagues who are talk show hosts, which colleague do you consider to show the greatest respect to callers who have a differing opinion? Oh, that is a very good question. Um, let me go through the the list in my own brain. Uh, the most respect to callers that have a differing opinion. Huh. I'll tell you, uh, you know, I'm going to surprise you, I think, with my answer, because I think many of them do. But um, the answer that I'm going to give is, and I'll explain it, the answer that I'm going to give is Curtis Sliwa, because on the shows that he hosts, and there are many, in which he takes calls, he gives callers, even ones that are adversarial, um, a lot of time. To make their point now, part of it is because he's got five or six hours to fill, but um, the 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 effect is still the same. The caller gets a lot of time to make their case and to even if they disagree with him, explain why they disagree. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Curtis actually, and uh, I you know he might mock the caller, might make fun of the caller, might have some fun with the caller, might uh, argue with the caller, but I don't really hear him, and uh, I don't hear all thirty hours that he does every weekend. I don't really hear him rushing to cut people off or because he disagrees with them. I think he gives the people that he disagrees with an opportunity to to speak for the most part, for the most part. Now, now, as I say that, I've tried to call in several times to his show and he doesn't take my call. So, you know, I'm an exception to that. 800-848-9222. Johnny is in Brooklyn. Hello, Johnny. Hello, 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 Mr. Marino. Um, my question is that do you believe Donald Trump is above the law? And according to your answer, I would like you to give me a chance to tell you why I believe he's above the law. Uh, no, I don't believe uh, Donald Trump or anyone is above the law. Okay, could you give me a, could I, I tell you the reason why I believe he's above the law? If you do it when quickly. Be- when Ben Laden sent people to blow, blow up the World Trade Center, we had an out for Ben Laden dead or alive immediately. Donald Trump is the president of America, and he recruited people to come to Washington to kill Americans, and he is still outside. So I believe he's above the law. What people did he bring to Washington to kill Americans? All those criminals, all of them were going to jail now. All right. Thank you, Johnny. I'm gl- I hope my answer was satisfactory to you. 800-848-9222. Billy is in Rockland. Hello, Billy. Hey, Frank. Good show. Uh, from you. what you know of William Shatner, 
What do you think he would like to, what's to say, accomplish more, maybe have done different throughout his career? Well, it's funny. Uh, what I've been doing over the last four days is uh, doing a deep dive into every William Shatner interview that I could find. And that's a question that he's gotten actually, about what he regrets. And and I find his answer very difficult to uh, disagree with, which is he said, look, uh, you know, I'm at a great place in my life and uh, I have everything that I could ever want. And uh, I, I really can't say that I have any regrets because you don't know if I would have done something differently if maybe I wouldn't be in such a great position personally and professionally. And I, not even a, Not even a regret, but like something else you would like to do. Well, uh, I'm going to say, you know, look, the thing that I don't know if everybody really has a full appreciation of with William Shatner is the guy is the funniest person who has ever lived. The guy is incredibly funny. And I think maybe if he had the opportunity to do more stand up, I think maybe he would have uh, liked that. But I, I can't really I can't speak for him. You know, there's one incident that he talks about in his book where he got invited to hang out with uh, the Kennedys. I think it was, I don't know if it was Ethel Kennedy or one of the other Kennedys, and he chose instead, and this is back in the late 60s, early 70s, to go back, and he was going through a tough divorce at the time, to go back and spend time with his children instead. And then he got there to his children's home with their mother at the time, and the children were not the least bit interested in spending time with him. And uh, he talks about how funny it was that here the Kennedys were so eager to spend time with him and invite him to this great party where who knows what professional opportunities he was living out of a pickup truck at the time. Who knows what professional opportunities there would have been, and instead he chose to go back home and spend time with his kids, and the kids would say, oh, okay. Hey, Dad, if they weren't that interested in spending time with him. 800-848-9222. Gino is in Brooklyn. Hello, Gino. Hello, sir. Hey, I'm listening to you uh, streaming right now on my device, right? Mm -hmm. And I noticed that even like the former AM News is now on FM. So I want you to accept my premise that there will be an eventual decline in AM, the AM frequency or the AM band, right? Um my question to you is, where do you see the future of AM radio going, and how long do you think before that technology forces your suits to make changes, and where do you think it's going to go? Are you guys going to gravitate toward FM or stream more or live stream or YouTube kind of thing? Where do you see the future of the AM band, assuming that you accept my premise that it's on the decline? Well, I guess I do accept your premise just because of what's happening with electric vehicles now. But as far as um, – so I, I see if – uh, the AM uh, band does die a Hyman Roth style death as opposed to a Sonny Corleone style death, meaning a kind of a slow bleed over the next 5, 10, 20 years, whatever the case may be. Um, then I see AM band being dominated by niche programming, uh, foreign language programming, a Russian channel, a Chinese channel, uh, an Italian channel in every market. And uh, the eth- the Spanish channel and the ethnic audiences in those areas will uh, come to tune to um, XYZ AM channel uh, as a as a means to get the kind of programming they're interested in. But as far as what our station and our network is doing, I think we're already doing it. I mean, there's a heavy emphasis on streaming and on podcasting. And look, if you look at what Red Apple Audio has done, uh, we bought. That we, uh, but the network bought an FM station, 107.1 FM in Long Island. So I wouldn't be surprised to see more of that. You know, John Katzmatidis did an interview with All Access uh, last month, 
And he alluded to the fact that he might be interested in buying more FM stations. But uh, I think AM can do a lot of things that FM can't. So I don't know that FM, as it was viewed 20 years ago, is this big savior for anybody, honestly. Uh, By the way, if you want to see my interview with uh, All Access, you can uh, check it out. I linked to it yesterday at Facebook.com slash MoranoFan. That's Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. Bill is in Huntington. Hello, Bill. My question is about Mr. Spock. Okay. Now, the philosopher Aristotle, he invented formal logic. And he would say any valid syllogism is logical, right? Now, I'll give you a, a, a syllogism and you tell me what Mr. Spock would say about it, okay? Mice love to eat cheese. The moon is made of cheese. Therefore, mice will eat the moon. I would say that uh, Spock would say that the uh, logic of your premise is flawed because the moon is not made of cheese. And uh, taking a, a fact that's inaccurate and and making it integral to a syllogism or any sort of a premise makes it almost meaningless. So 800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Mike is in New Rochelle. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Frank. Uh, I've got a question about the station, but while I was on hold, I thought of another one to ask. May I interject that one before the station question, Yeah, please? just do them quickly if you can. Man. Absolutely, absolutely. The other night you brought up uh, talking to people that were pushing 100 in their 90s. Why not reach out to Pat Cooper and get his take on the way things are today? Uh, if, you, if you call him at the top of the show, uh, maybe it's 10 o'clock in Las Vegas, maybe he's listening to the show. Who knows? Yeah, I, but, I, uh, you know, I, st- I keep in touch with Pat, so uh, maybe, we will, maybe we will do that. That's what you said a year ago the last time I brought it up. Oh, well, I I mean, I had him on recently, and I guess I, you know, I don't know. I mean, did I say that a year ago? Well, maybe we will. It's up to him. His hearing is not the greatest, so honestly, the phone conversations are are pretty challenging. Maybe you got a better hearing aid since the last time you spoke. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. We spoke pretty recently, and he didn't sound like he was hearing any better, but uh, I'll reach out to him again. What was your other question? Okay, uh... What I enjoy the, uh, the the show the podcast your staff puts on after your show. What is the lowest rated show on your station, and what is the lowest rated podcast? And I'll let you finish off the phone. Um, thank you. You know, a lot of the podcasts that are new haven't gotten much of an audience yet. We went through these numbers last week, and there was there's this new podcast. Um, in fact, the name of it escapes me. It's not a um, it's not a radio show. It's just an original podcast, but nobody knows about it yet. So nobody is really listening to it. That's the uh, lowest rated. Again, the name escapes me, and I apologize to the folks that do it. In terms of the lowest rated show, it all depends on how you count, right? It depends if you're counting by share or by raw numbers. And I actually am not privy to all of the uh all of the all of the numbers. So I really I couldn't answer that. I, I actually don't I actually don't know, I'll be honest. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. uh let me say hello. Do we have one more break uh to take? Okay. Well, I'll excuse him one more question here because David has been waiting patiently. Hello, David. Yes, uh good morning, Frank. Morning. I am going to put a tough question to you because I think there are other listeners who also want to know the answer to this. At sure. least that's what I get from the, the Facebook group. Um, you had uh, Colonel McGregor on last night, and as you were aware, I was extremely offended by many of the things that he said. 
Now, my question for you is when you have a guest on who you generally agree with, do you feel a responsibility to push back on that guest when they say things that are not correct, controversial, or that are in line with things that they've said in the past that have proven to be 100 percent wrong? Yeah, well, like, give me an, give me an instance yesterday in okay. what current. All right, all right. I'll give you an example. McGregor predicted yet again that Ukraine was on the verge of being crushed by Russia because of their alleged superior numbers and all this other stuff. And that is not – he said that when the invasion first happened, and it didn't happen then either. And, and let me just say this really quickly. And the reason I'm upset about this is because I don't talk about this often. I have a family member there by marriage. My nephew's grandmother is in Zaporizhia. The building across the street from her was blown up in a Russian missile attack. So this is personal. And when I hear him say things like that, he constantly puts down our military. He said the Chinese are not a threat to the United States. You didn't push back on any of that stuff. Well, because, Colonel, I mean, uh, David, that's because he, the Colonel is – is a decorated veteran who, with a Ph.D. who's a published author on military strategy, who's advised governments around the world on military strategy, who's been in combat, who's been um, decorated by the military, and who was a senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense. So he, he, uh, who am I to question what he's saying about what's a, a national security threat and what's going on. So, so I would say if I'm not intimidated because I agree with someone, if anything, I'm intimidated because I don't have the kind of expertise that somebody like Colonel McGregor has. Like, for instance, you know, Larry Kudlow, I don't agree with on a lot of economic issues. But if I'm interviewing Larry Kudlow, the guy was OMB director. He was the head of the National Economic Council. The guy was a Federal Reserve economist. He has a lot. He's much better credentialed than I am to talk about the economy. So I can't really challenge his analysis, right? I can give my opinion. I've got four hours to do it. Okay. Can I just say one thing? So they've been holding for so long. Sure, go ahead. What, what, what bothers me about McGregor, and this is what I think you're not considering, is that his analysis is not based necessarily on what's actually going on. It's very political. McGregor is extremely far right. You know, he said something I found very disturbing last night. He was talking about how he and Donald Trump grew up in the the, the 50s, and he was like sort of like harking back to what a wonderful time that was. Well, you know what? There's a lot of people in this country who were not exactly have fond memories of the pre-civil rights era like he does. Okay, so there's a lot of things about McGregor. All right, right, David. Well, thank you. Just, you know, I'll just say when he was talking about the 50s, he was explaining why Donald Trump made such poor appointments, right? So that's what the context was. It wasn't, oh, how great it was when there were uh, Jim Crow laws. No, I mean, that wasn't what he was saying at all. He was, and for a guy that you're characterizing as far to the right, I said to him, look, Donald Trump appointed Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, John Bolton. My question was, and I think this was a challenging question, just because I asked challenging questions in a friendly manner doesn't mean they're not challenging. I said, doesn't Donald Trump who appointed you as a, sec- as an, a senior advisor to the Pentagon, who, who tried to appoint you as ambassador to Germany, doesn't Donald Trump get some blame for appointing such awful people? His answer, yes. That's the guy that you're calling so far to the right. Also, when I asked about the balloon situation, the Chinese spy balloon, he called it uh, a Republican, I don't, I don't, I don't want to 
uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he called it the Republican equivalent of the Russia hoax. He basically called this the Republican version of the Russia hoax. Does that sound like a guy who's motivated by politics? No. The guy has strong opinions, no doubt about it, and uh, I love that he's provocative. I love that he evokes such a strong reaction. I could show you some of the emails that I got last night, people saying Colonel Douglas McGregor should run for president. That was the best radio segment I've ever heard, literally. We'll go through it Tuesday when we go through the mail. So um, I think you totally misconstrued his remarks about the romanticizing of the 50s and the 60s. He was talking about why Trump made such poor decisions. And he said, essentially, Trump grew up in an era that uh, the uniform really meant something. And there were shows like uh, that West Point show that he mentioned. And these generals, they Trump gave them probably more credibility than they deserved. That's what he was saying, right? Uh, it was nothing to do with anything you just described. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Uh, George is in Goshen. Hello, George. Hello, Frankie. I just want to real quick, since you're seeing Captain Kirk tomorrow, since you're seeing William Shatter, do you think William Shatter killed his wife? And let me just say, I, I do. And so what is your opinion? Absolutely on that not. Uh, the, you know, the evidence, um, the, the fire department, the police department, they found no evidence of foul play whatsoever. Um, you know, the upon arrival, the officers met Shatner, who had just returned home and discovered his wife at the bottom of a deep pool. He immediately called 911 and dove into the pool to try to render aid. Um, there was absolutely no evidence of foul play. There was a subsequent investigation that revealed that Noreen, his wife, was home alone for a, a, a period of time. And she was unfortunately a drug addict and she was taking drugs. And then she drowned in the pool while while swimming. I don't know if it was, you know, I don't know what the circumstances. But and you you hear the way Shatner talks about it, he's still very broken up about it. Uh, so I, I don't believe that at all. Uh, not not in at in the least. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Linda is in Brooklyn. Hello, Linda. Hello, I want to talk about the movies, uh, the nominations. I want to know, did you see any of those movies they nominated? So far, uh, and I'm hoping to see uh, some more, maybe even this weekend, but so far the only one that I've seen was uh, was Top Gun. And I saw a film called Causeway, which was nominated in one of the acting categories. So, so far the only one I saw was Top Gun Maverick. Okay, I went to see The Whale. I yeah. thought the acting, uh, I thought the acting was very good, and I hope he gets the award well, because I liked him in, liked him in those mummy movies that he he made. Yeah, you're talking about Brendan Fraser. I haven't seen the whale yeah. yet. I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm with you. I'm rooting for him as well uh, because I love a good comeback story, right? And I think it would be a great comeback story if Brendan Fraser is able to win. All right, two open lines. We're going to continue with your questions on this edition of Ask Frank Anything. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight. midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
This is Blurry by Puddle of Mud. Uh, This is a birthday bumper music selection by Gabe Lakatis. I believe that's the proper pronunciation of your last name. It might be Lakatos, but I think it's Lakatis. He runs the Ocean AC Facebook group, which is one of the best Atlantic City Facebook groups. There are four very good Atlantic City Facebook groups, and his is one, the Ocean AC uh, Facebook group. Those of you that came New Year's Eve Eve, not, uh, not last year, but the previous year, many of you might have gotten to meet Gabe, a great guy, and uh, wishing him a happy birthday. He's uh, a real, a real, real terrific, um, a real terrific person. All right. Happy birthday to you. All right. We are doing and giving you an opportunity to ask questions at 800-848-9222 on any subject as part of The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. anything. 800-848-9222. Whatever you've got questions about, now's the time. Let me say hello to Joel in Manhattan. Hello, Joel. Hi, Frank. Um, I've got a question for you. Actually, it's a several-part question. First off, are you uh, do, what are you f- afraid of either heights or of claustrophobia? No, no to either. either. No to or no, no to either. either. Okay, great. Okay, based on on that, if you were given a choice of of being on an expedition that you basically had to go on because John Casman Jesus told you had to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was either to a very, very, very deep cave that's like three miles below the surface of the earth where you have to go through water channels and things like that. Or it was a, uh, a mountaineering expedition to uh, Everest. Which would you choose? You had to oh. top Everest. Um, I would... Mm, it's a good question. I think either one of them would be fun. I think I would enjoy either adventure. But I'm gonna go with the um, I'm gonna go with the cave because uh, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit a little bit less of a likelihood that I could fall down and fall off the mountain. Um, and at least in the cave, you know, I'm not falling to the ground. So um, so I would probably pick the cave, but um, I could probably be swayed either way. I think either either one would be fun. Great, great question, though, Joel. Thank you. Right, thank you. But, but thank you. If you have a question, by the way, we are giving away a prize to whomever comes up with the best and most creative question. There are three open lines, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Roger is in Massachusetts. Hello, Roger. Yeah, hi, thanks. Um, Ray McGovern, on, on a previous interview, uh, mentioned that there was a 30-year agreement uh, between 72 and 2002 that the U.S. had with Russia. I was wondering if you could uh, describe the nature of that agreement and how we supposedly, uh, supposedly, um, how or why we supposedly reneged or or, or on it in 2002-ish. You know, I I don't know that I'm up on the specifics of that agreement. Uh, Did Ray McGovern say that in an interview with me? Yeah, about 11 months ago, I played it over and over again. It was, huh. Oh, you, you, well, you, had, you, tra- you said that, that the Russia, Russia accused us of trashing the 30-year agreement we had between 72 and 2000. You, you know, uh, Roger, I, um, 
I, I'm going to have to go back and look at that and l- listen to that interview again. Uh-huh. I have your email, and so I'm happy to review it and uh, give you my take on it. And then, uh, if necessary, I'm happy to reach out to Ray again uh, because he's always shown a pretty pretty enthusiastic willingness to be on the show. So if, if need be, I'll reach out to him again. Thank you, Roger. I'm sorry I couldn't be more helpful there. Eric in Manhattan. Hello, Eric. Hey, Frank. Um, about Godfather Part 3, <laughs> you probably feel the same way about that movie that I do. Um, as I do, but you think Gary, um, Andy Garcia kind of carried it? Would it have been a lot worse without him? I like would have dragged. I thought. Yeah, what do you think? I thought Andy Garcia was great in yeah. that picture. I think a lot of the acting yeah, performances were were great. Obviously, I think uh, yeah. Tal- uh, T- uh, Talia Shire was great. I think uh, Eli Wallach was terrific. I think obviously the the one uh, I thought George Hamilton was great. I think the um the the obviously the one that has gotten the most attention. And I hate to pile on and do the kick them while they're down thing. The, the worst <laughs> the worst performance in that film is Sofia Coppola. And I think um, it had um, Winona Ryder played that part instead of Sofia Coppola, I think it would have been a far better film. And I think it would have been a, a, a much it would be remembered much differently in in history. Thank you, Eric. I, I am not a Godfather Part Three hater. Right. I mean, there's no comparison of the Godfather Part Three compared to one and two. No comparison. It's 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 not fair to compare the two. And you know who didn't want to who did, did not want it? Compared Francis Ford Coppola, he did not even want to call it The Godfather Part Three. He wanted to call it The Death of Michael Corleone because uh, it's he wanted it to be a very different kind of a story and viewed differently. But Paramount insisted, and Coppola needed money at the time, that they call it that. And um, Sofia Coppola clearly is a very gifted filmmaker. She has other gifts. I think she's much more skilled as a director and maybe a writer than she is as an actor. And I think, you know, look, she's acting against uh, with some of the best people in the world in that picture. And she was just out of her league. You know, look, I am a decent softball player, play first base, right? If you put me in a professional baseball game, you know, forget about it. I will look like a child. I'll look like a boy among men. And unfortunately, I think that's a lot of what you saw with that uh, portrayal of – Sophia Coppola in that in that picture. 800-848-9222. Phyllis is in Queens. Hello, Phyllis. Hello, Frank. How are you? Great. So this is a two-part question. The first part, how do we preserve rent stabilization and rent control and not lose our homes? And two, does your little boy love to sing, and what songs does he love to sing? Um, He's not into singing yet. He does seem to um he does seem to make, you know, have uh, a fondness for making certain sounds, but he's not really into my wife insists that his favorite singer is um uh, is is Taylor Swift, right? So mm-hmm. he does like a lot of a lot of her songs. As far as preserving rent stabilization, which I am uh, all for by the way. I mm-hmm. I think rent stabilization especially in a city like New York yeah. Is is essential uh, because absolutely. Otherwise, in, we'll be homeless. Well, but additionally, New York, you have a finite amount of supply in terms of housing, and yet you have an infinite demand. And you have, uh, you know, an Arab sheik that would love to spend a uh, hundred thousand dollars a month on an apartment that he comes to once every two months. Right. And there's no way that New Yorkers can appreciate that. Look, the, you have this uh, court battle that is uh, that is playing out. 
Um, and uh, I, this could, as Stan said on Dominic Carter's show, this could end up going all the way to the Supreme Court. I thought he was talking about the Court of Appeals, but I was mistaken. Stan was actually correct. I did a little homework on that at the top of the hour. So um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I mean, I don't like that the Supreme Court can take it upon itself to undo the um, the will of the voters through their elected representatives. But I am fearful that uh, the Supreme Court, which has become a very political branch, might do this. I, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer, Phyllis, but uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know. They, know. they know that so many people are homeless already, plus the immigrants are getting their homes. Why don't we get some, too? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a great – I can't argue with anything that you said there, Phyllis. I wish I had a better answer. Frederick is in Brooklyn. Hello, Frederick. Frederick, uh, do me a favor. Turn your radio off and uh, call back. 800-848-9222. John is in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Frank, I just wanted to say that I agree with you with John Colocos, and I greatly enjoyed what Deep Space Nine did in uniting him, Wim Campbell's Colos, and Malcolm Sarah's uh, Kang in in a mini arc that they agreed did. absolutely great episode that, that was fantastic and uh, live long and prosper I hope you have a great time with uh, Shatner thank you nights. thank you appreciate that John now, what, what was your this question is my question mm-hmm. if you were alive in 1937 would you have supported American rearmament in response to Nazi German and Imperial Japanese aggression. Um, it's a, it's a, it's such a good question, right? It's so difficult to um, view historical events in, um, you know, as if it was happening in the in the present day because we know what happened. Uh, I, 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 honestly, I'd like to think so, but I have, I have, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, you know. For instance, everybody always likes to say, um, you know, you would have been where would you would have been on this side in the Revolutionary War or that side of the Revolutionary War. I have no idea where I would have been. I would have evaluated the arguments as they were. I, I mean, I think I would have been. I think so. 800-848-9222. Frederick, again, will try in Brooklyn. Yes, Hello. yes, yes. yes, yes. Treasure. Frank, uh, good evening. Uh, Frederick, this, uh, uh, Frank, Frank, I would like yes. to know what what you have to say about people that are blind. I want to know, uh, do they see, see the visions in their Dream? Do they dream dreams? Do they see the sights in their dreams? Well, and so, uh, Frederick, thank you. You know, uh, I obviously am not blind, thank goodness. My think, I think that it depends if you used to have sight or if you were born blind. Like uh, David in the Bronx, who you heard earlier, he once had sight, now, now he's blind. So I think, and he's a better person to ask than me, that if you once had sight, you still do see visual images and things like that. If you were born blind, then I think your dreams consist of other senses, touch, taste, smell, and so forth. I, that's my understanding of um, of how that works. But uh, honestly, I'm speaking from total ignorance on that. And finally, Mike is in Lake George. Hello, Mike. No, I used to be in Lake George. All right, Mike. What's your question? What's your question? Okay, are, are you putting? Are you catching a bus? You with a hurry? I see you at the top of the hour. 
Listen, I'll call you another time, okay? Thanks. Thank you, Mike. Pre- Thanks, appreciate appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Um, uh, without further, he waited 45 minutes <laughs> to, not, uh, to not ask his question. All right. Uh, Matt Blaze, uh, is there a consensus among the three of you for best questions? <laughs> yeah. It would be Dan in Farmingdale about uh, Star Trek and Mirror Mirror. Uh, Dan in Farmingdale. All right. Uh, Dan, call back. And his question was, if I had a Tantalus field, who would I use it and who would I use it on? That's a good question. And uh, I, I would not use it on anybody. Dan in Farmingdale, call back 800-848-9222. And uh, we will give you a consolation prize. What are we giving away? Shirts, hats? What are we? Do you know? No, we don't know. Okay. Mug. Mug. Okay, even better. Even better. I've gotten a lot of compliments on the uh, Other Side of Midnight mugs, uh, which you can also check out at the Other Side of Midnight store. And if you buy anything on there, online, you can uh, use the promo code FRANK15. All right, coming up next hour, there's a big movement to limit sugar in the school lunches that children are eating. Why? And is this a good idea? We'll explore it. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. that American children today are obese. And this is about a lot more than aesthetics. Uh, But look, if you think, I don't don't know how old you are, but if you're over the age of 40, take a look at at your fifth grade class photo, if you have your fifth grade yearbook, and take a look at how many of the children in that photo, in that class photo, would be considered overweight. I'm betting it's at most one or two. Take a look at a fifth grade class photo today. I'm sure you have friends. If you don't have a fifth grader yourself, you have friends that um, that uh, that have posted this about their children or their grandchildren. And take a look, count how many of those fifth graders are overweight. It's, in some cases, a majority. I mean, it is an alarming number of students are dealing with issues. And on Friday, there, the U.S. Department of Agriculture tried to do something about it. U.S. agriculture officials on Friday proposed new nutrition standards for school meals, including the first limits on added sugars with a focus on sweetened foods such as cereals, yogurts, flavored milk, and breakfast pastries. The plan announced by the Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack 
also seeks to significantly decrease sodium in the meals served to the nation's school kids by 2029 while making the rules for foods made with whole grains more flexible. The goal is to improve nutrition and to align with U.S. dietary guidelines in the program that serves breakfast to more than 15 million children and lunch to nearly 30 million children every day. The first limits on added sugar would be required in the 2025-2026 school year, starting with high-sugar foods like sweetened cereals, yogurts, flavored milks. Under this plan, an 8-ounce container of chocolate milk could contain no more than 10 grams of sugar. Some popular flavored milks now contain twice that. The plan also limits sugary grain desserts like muffins or donuts to no more than twice a week at breakfast. By the fall of 2027, if these proposals are implemented, added sugars in school meals would be limited to less than 10% of the total calories per week for both breakfast and lunch. The proposal would also reduce sodium in school meals by 30% by the fall of 2029. So health experts say that cutting back on sugar and salt can help decrease the risk of disease in children, including obesity. That's what I and diabetes. Uh, I was uh, going to. I, I got on a tangent before. It, it's about a lot more than aesthetics. There are very real health implications of this whole situation: diabetes, high blood pressure, all sorts of other problems that continue into adulthood. So, they came out with a two hundred eighty-page document. And the Agriculture Department said these changes are necessary to help America's children lead healthier lives. But Diane Pratt-Hevener, the spokeswoman for the School Nutrition Association, which is a trade group, said school meals are already healthier than they were a decade ago and that increased regulations are a burden, especially for small and rural School districts, she said, quote, school meal programs are at a breaking point. These programs are simply not equipped to meet additional rules. So my question for you is, first of all, you have to accept my basic premise, which is that children are dangerously out of shape. And uh, I know let me preempt the people saying that because, you know, I'm overweight right now. So whenever I try to talk about a weight issue, I'm sure there's somebody either on the phone or on social media that'll say, oh, you got a lot of nerve talking about children's weight when, you know, you're 30 or 40 pounds overweight. And, you know, that's true. But I'm not going to sacrifice my right to talk about public policy because I happen to be overweight. I think in some respects, the fact that I'm overweight gives me a better perspective on public policy issues, just like I've never served in the military, but I have no problem Uh, saying that we shouldn't be sending troops to Ukraine. It's the same situation as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'd like to know where you come down on this. And to me, I don't think this is a political issue. I think it's a health issue and an economic issue. And I'd love to know, do you side with the Department of Agriculture and the proposed changes that they're trying to make, which are namely less sugar and less sodium, and limits on how many times you could serve donuts and muffins? Or do you uh, side with Diane Pratt-Hevener, 
the spokeswoman for this trade group that says, look, the school districts cannot deal with more regulation. 800-848-9222. I see both sides of this. I, I really do, because I know a lot of these school districts are already having a difficult time, not just financially, but logistically in managing the school lunch program and the school breakfast program. And like, I, I don't know if school lunches are really healthier than they were 10 years ago, but let's say they are. Do these additional restrictions from the federal government, do they put an undue burden on some of the localities? I am not a big fan in general of top-down control. I am a fan of decentralization, of states' rights, and rights for localities. And if New York, for instance, New York City, the school system there, or the Baltimore school system, or the Las Vegas school system, or the Nashville school system, or the Anchorage school system wants to make these changes themselves, I think that's great, and I think they should. I guess my and, – and I think Tom Vilsack comes from a very good place. I like Tom Vilsack. He – of everybody in the Biden administration, he is, I think, my favorite, which is not, not saying much, um, at least in the cabinet. I do like Lena Khan at the uh, FTC as well. But uh, aside from that, um, I think he's coming from a very good place. I think he is concerned about obesity. I also don't think this is dealing with the fundamental issue here, which is, well, one of the fundamental issues, which is part of the reason that children are so fat, is that there's uh, high fructose corn syrup in everything, which was not the case 50 or 60 years ago. That's a relatively new thing. And Vilsack is from Iowa. He's not going to bite the fan, the hand that feeds him. Uh, Iowa depends. Their whole economy depends on the fact that there's corn syrup and everything. That's notably absent from this 280-page document, isn't it? I have to be honest, I didn't read all 280 pages. But the summaries that I've read don't include any mention of corn syrup. Where do you stand, stand on it? Although I guess it's included when you're talking about grams of sugar. 800-848-9222. Should school districts be forced to adhere to some basic federal requirements? And they've got a couple of years to get their act together on this. It's at least two years before they have to make any changes, and then at least five years before they have to make any really significant changes. Should these school districts need to meet certain fundamental federal requirements and restrictions when it comes to regulations on the school lunch program and school breakfast program? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. According to this woman... Um, school meals are at a breaking point. I, I'm sympathetic to that. Vilsack emphasized that the plan phases changes in over the next six years to allow schools and to allow food manufacturers time to adjust. He said in this press conference on Friday that the USDA is also going to fund grants of up to $150,000 to help small and rural schools make these changes. So, look, I, I don't know. I, uh, I see both sides of this. Uh, Courtney Gain, president of the Sugar Association, I'm sure you can guess where she comes down on this. She said that the proposal ignores the many functional roles sugar plays in food beyond sweetness and encourages the use of sugar substitutes, which have not been fully studied in children. That argument has absolutely no resonance with me. That goes nowhere with me. 
uh, sugar. Kids are getting way too much sugar. And if the head of the Sugar Association is upset with rules to restrict sugar, I don't care. I don't care at all. Uh, to me, the question is, is this more effectively done and is it, on a local level? I get concerned about these federal one-size-fits-all approaches. As part of the plan, agricultural officials are seeking feedback about a proposal that would continue to require that 80% of all grains offered in a week must be whole grains, but it would allow schools to serve non-whole grains, such as white flour tortillas, one day a week in order to vary their menus. Well, you know, maybe rather than serving these white flour tortillas one day a week, Maybe it would be better if they serve them on a semi-weekly basis. Thank you. It's my one for the day. Uh, another option suggests serving unflavored, non-fat, and low-fat milk to the youngest children and reserving chocolate milk and other flavored milk for high school kids. Maybe. Okay. Um, so there's going to be a 60-day public comment period that began three days ago. So I would like to make a comment and be part of this public comment phase. But I honestly don't know where I fall on this. And look, I guess a talk show host should never admit that. I mean, they say wishy-washiness is a death knell when it comes to talk radio, but I really do, I am ambivalent on this one, and I'm hoping you can help me make up my mind. Where do you come down? Do you side with the agricultural department, or do you side with this trade group that says the school lunches are already at a breaking point? Let me know. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. There was one person who's a community health expert at Drexel University, and uh, she said that if these changes are done right, they're going to be totally unnoticeable for children. She said they'll see things that they like to eat, but those foods will be healthier. I mean, that's a perfect world. That's ideally how it would go. And uh, if it was done at a local level, I would have no hesitation about embracing this in a full-throated and enthusiastic manner. It's just, I think it's very difficult for Washington to do what they're doing here, which is they're, like the the Peoria school system, the Cicero, Illinois school system, it's very different in terms of administration, in terms of funding, in terms of logistics, than, say, the Los Angeles or New York school system. It is. So I, I just, I get very leery of these Washington mandated one size fits all approaches when it comes to anything, including school lunches. 800-848-9222. Let me tell you what's coming up. Coming up in about uh, forty minutes, we are going to talk with. The, well, not we're going to talk about. We're going to denounce people. We got denunciations, which is a very popular aspect of uh, of our program. And then uh, coming up in the final hour of the program. We have a midnight panel featuring Marlena Schiavo and attorney David Schwartz. A lot to get to with uh, with the two of them. So I'm looking forward to that very, very much. 800-848-9222. Let's say hello to Norman in Brooklyn. Hello, Norman. Hello, Frank. Uh, I won't talk about my bench press, I promise. I don't believe um, you. I promise I won't. But, uh, you know, I was a registered dietitian at one time, uh, and... Uh, I, look, I, I think that the, the RDA standards are fine. I don't know. I don't know if the government should stick in. I, I never. And here's another thing, Frank. I don't know. Did you you went to public school? I did. Yes. Uh, all my, I did. My whole career so, I mean, until college. I went. You know, for me, uh, you know, I went to yeshiva. My mom would give me a bologna sandwich on white bread and usually a chocolate uh, pudding to take. 
But I mean, um, so, yeah. bologna is not kosher, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. When, well, when it's kosher bologna. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't know that. Okay. It's kosher. Oh, yeah, please. I couldn't, walk, I couldn't walk into that place, the Yeshiva Terrace, Yisrael, where I went. I couldn't walk in with something on kosher. My God, they would have banished me. I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. Unkosher, nothing unkosher. I had a kosher house, so, you know, we didn't, like, uh, the idea, uh, no, it was, everything was kosher. Oh, you on the package. Got it. Got it. Thank <laughs> but, you. Uh, Thank you, Norman. You're welcome. Appreciate that. 800 Amir is in Boston. Hello, Amir. Hey, Frank. Uh, I don't come down either side, but if I had to, I'd come a little more on the uh, the uh, agriculture side, and I'll tell you why. Definitely lower the sugar. That's number one. Because it comes down to the insulin level, okay? The more, the less sugar, the more you stabilize the insulin level. You make the person more insulin sensitive. You don't want it to be insulin resistant. Also, it's not just the food. It's the quality of food. For example, in the morning, most of these kids get eggs. That's toxic eggs that are coming from toxic chicken. I don't have to tell you about toxic chicken. You know about the eggs and all that. Also, the meat has to be farm-raised uh, eat by cows eating uh, uh, grass. That's another thing. You definitely have to, and also no more uh, fruit juice because that's sugar water. That's well, definitely sugar water. Yeah, well, I uh, think drink. that would be, the, you know, the drinks here are being included in some of the changes that the Department of Agriculture is making. And it sounds like that's, uh, and it sounds like you're pretty sympathetic to that. Yeah, but also I keep hearing like, oh, they're going to get pomegranate juice, orange juice. That's going to hurt. Because, again, that's sugar water. Also, you got to apply, tell kids about exercise. We have to start exercising. That also builds with the insulin level, uh, where the body can control its insulin level, become more insulin sensitive than insulin resili- resilient. That's a, especially with some people, some kids, where genetically they're not, uh, they're not so, you know, when it comes to metabolism, they're not so good in that section. Also, I would tell parents to every day if they can, Get a little teaspoon of apple cider vinegar. It does wonders for the metabolism. You ever heard about this? I, I have. I have. And uh, and thank you, Amir. Look, I think there's a lot of different things parents could be doing. What we're talking about here is what schools should be required to do in in the school lunch program. They're not going to mandate that um, that children have to take a spoonful of apple cider vinegar. I can promise you that's not uh, going to happen, and that's not being proposed. The question is of these proposals from the Department of Agriculture, which I have to tell you, I think are very good. I just I am leery of telling small and rural school districts, even with this grant that Tom Bilsack is promising, I am leery of telling them what they uh, should be doing. You know, I think if if Peoria wants healthier school options and healthier school lunches, they should move forward with that. And this goes the other way, too. For instance, in New York, they're trying to um, move forward. You know, Eric Adams is a big health nut. So he's trying to move forward with healthier school lunches. And, uh, you know, in opposition to that, Elise Stefanik, a congresswoman, is trying to pass federal legislation saying every child in ev- federal legislation, every child in every school district in the country has to be offered chocolate or other flavored milk. Now, to me, that's totally insane. Why not let New York make its decision about what it wants in its school lunches and let uh, Trenton make its decision? There's no reason. There's no reason to have Washington say, you must have chocolate milk. It's crazy. 
800-848-9222. Charlie is in Florida. Hello, Charlie. Yes, hi. I'm trying to fix the phone so you can hear me. Oh, great. That would be nice. Uh, hold on. Let me unplug it. How's that? Better? Great. Hey, Frank. Good to hear you. Thank you. It's good to be heard. Yes, and thank you for liking my thoughts on the Facebook page about, you know, we'll never meet, but I fire. you're my family. Well, that's, nice that, oh, that was family. awfully nice of you. Yeah, I didn't realize that was you, but that's awfully nice. Thank you. Uh, uh, it's, it's from the heart, Frank. I wake up sometimes, and I got no one to talk to. And I turn you on, and I feel a lot of comfort. I really I, do. I appreciate that, and uh, I do hope you keep that in mind when you uh, put your will together as well. Uh, I don't want to will you to be on this shift all the time, but I will definitely miss you if you ever switch. No, nah, I'm not that. going anywhere. Believe me. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> uh, tell, give me your thoughts on what we're talking about. All right, but real quick, the guy who calls about Sid is a moron is a moron. <laughs> all right, well, um, to each his food. own, to each his own. Yeah, no, I mean, he must be going crazy now with Sid and uh, Adams. Anyway, um, I, I look at every label, and I, I tell you, the healthiest food I see on the shelf, I flip it over, and there's a 30 grams of sugar, 850 grams of sodium, and I tell you, I'm losing weight, and I'm feeling great by going through every label. I have no problem with the government. I, I hate when they overstep, but in this case, I think it's correct. These kids need to be weaned off sugar and sodium. And if it can be done, we're hardly noticing it. And by making them healthier and getting the family, the, the parents involved, maybe get these kids back to normal, I mean, a healthier lifestyle. I mean, I got a friend with a six-year-old. The kid can't eat anything. All he does is sugar, 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 McDonald's, McDonald's. And it's 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 horrible. The kid's going to grow up. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously, you know, it sounds like the parents are are, are very much at fault there. And uh, I think they're lazy. They they can't. I'm sorry to cut you. They're lazy. People are too. Yeah, you're right. It's a big look. It's a big problem. Thank you, Charlie. And thanks for your nice words and your uh, compliment. I appreciate that. But um, you're not going to the, the federal government is not in a position to turn people into better parents. Right. They what they are able to do is mandate certain requirements when it comes to school lunches. And that's what they're proposing. My question for you is, should they? Should they be? Um, Charles may have, con- Charlie may have convinced me. Maybe they, look, what's wrong with certain federal guidelines? And then I hear from these trade associations, right? They say they can't, they can't adhere to this. They say they're already pushed to the brink. The Department of Agriculture says, look, you got five or six years to, transition to this. And we're going to give you grants on top of that. Uh, this is one of those cases. I really do see both sides. Uh, I, From a local level, I would love to see more more localities um, shifting to, you know, shifting to healthier food options. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
This is Don Omar, and uh, today is his birthday. 44 years old, one of the great Puerto Rican singers of uh, of all time. Absolutely. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, talking about a bunch of different things, including this proposal from the uh, Department of Agriculture to limit the amount of sugar that school lunches include. The trade groups are very opposed to this. They say they can't deal with this. I think these are important changes to be made, and I think any school district that can make these healthier changes, they should. I just do wonder if this is fair to rural and smaller school districts that um, may be already pushed to the brink And if they have to, even if you give them a grant and even if you give them a few years to transition, is this um, is this an unfair mandate from the federal government? 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to KC in Michigan. Hello, KC. Good. I was a kitchen manager for an elementary school in in Connecticut, and we had to serve what the school system gave to us. And a lot of that was um, government issued um, supplies. And you can, and, and we had a lot of complaints from parents and stuff. And, but we had to serve the kids what we had. And this wasn't that long ago. And I, and I have to tell you that I tried to serve healthy meals because I was a parent and I served my kid healthy meals. But if you look at the inner cities, and I don't know what the rural, you know, areas do, but I know from New York City, they and and, and they have to get whatever the government sends them. And I guarantee that the products that the government is sending to these school systems is not in line with what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Plus, the other argument is that the school system only serves. Um, about one third of the meals that these kids eat. And if you take a bridge card or an ETB card, whatever, um, you know, government food stamps is now called in your area, um, the highest purchased amount on those bridge cards is candy and junk food. So they're trying to tell the school systems how to act. And it's really the kids are heavy set today because of what they're eating at home, not what they're eating in the schools. Well, look, well said, Casey, and I I agree with you. So it sounds like you don't think these restrictions, these proposed restrictions should be implemented. I don't believe that the food manufacturers are going to allow you to implement those standards because you're not going to be able to implement right. those standards when you go to the grocery store. Well, yeah, I mean, so that that's um, they're not talking about when you go to the grocery store, but they're talking about in school lunches and the school manufacturers are uh, the excuse me. The food manufacturers are very opposed to this. They say, you know, it, it just is not practical, can't be done, can't be done in a cost effective manner. Um, I um, look, I mean, I am not for. And we've discussed this before, too, allowing food stamps and EBT to be used for candy and soda and junk food. 
But um, they are. They are. And Mike Bloomberg tried to change this, and he was not successful. But um, I'm not for that either, right? But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about one very specific proposal from the Department of Agriculture for new standards in school lunches. What do you think of it? What do you make of that? 800-848-9222. I'll tell you what is not helping my health is a tremendous lack of sleep. I um, sleep during the day, obviously. And, you know, we have blackout curtains so that the light doesn't come in. It's a very serene setting. So yesterday, uh, or two days ago, I guess, they are continuing. There was this house behind us that they're in the process that's been sold, a big lot of land right behind our backyard that's been sold, and they're in the process of knocking this house down and basically get ridding, getting rid of everything that was back there. So two days ago, I wake up in the middle of the day to this constant noise of uh, construction, and I couldn't sleep. I got four hours of sleep, and they were out there all day, all day. And then obviously by the time you start getting going with your day, you have things to do. You got to look after uh, you know, the little guy. You got to prepare for the show, and it's just too much. So then yesterday, same situation, but much, much worse. After about four hours at most of of sleep, I hear very loudly chainsaws. They're, they're cutting down. They're cutting down the trees in the backyard behind these massive trees. It's, it's, just, it's just horrible noise, and it's going on for hours. Chainsaws, chainsaws, chainsaws. When they finally finish with the chainsaws, they get they have uh, backhoes and digging things and then wood chippers to take these trees that they've now just chainsawed and feed them into a wood chipper. So I got no sleep, none, which is just great because of the role that um, sleep plays in your immune system. I've been taking care of a little boy that has been sneezing on me and uh, putting his 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 mucus on me for the last three days. And I'm trying to make sure that I do not get sick because obviously I got the, the these showings with William Shatner coming up today and tomorrow. And uh, I really don't have time to get sick just because of my schedule. And it's not really uh, – now, I have upped – my echinacea, I have t- upped all the supplements that I'm taking to try to avoid getting a cold here. But it's uh, that was yesterday's adventure. And my wife tells me that that I may have to get used to this because they're apparently going to build two new houses behind us. And this is going to be daily construction, maybe for the next year. Oh. A lot of you are, if you're up right now, chances are you sleep during the day. And chances are you live in areas that are kind of noisy, right? What do you do, right? So um, my uh, do you use earplugs? Because my wife sleeps with earplugs. I don't love having things in my ear while I sleep. Maybe I'll have to do that. Is there something else, some kind of noise-canceling headphones that you use? I tried. I I hate any kind of noise while I'm sleeping. My wife loves to sleep with white noise. I don't like it. 
As soon as she leaves our bedroom, I turn that white noise right off. Today, I turned it on uh, because I thought it might drown out the the chainsaws and wood chippers that I was that I was listening to. It was about as easy to sleep as it would be if um, live stream crimes was was playing. But um, I, so here we are, where I'm faced with the prospect of no sleep for the next year, uh, pretty much. You know. And I am not looking forward to it. I'm curious if you have any advice on uh, how you deal with the noise not stopping when you need to sleep. 800-848-9222. Alex Barnard is here, who sleeps at the same schedule I do, I would imagine. Yeah, and um, I am also dealing with construction at um, where I live. Because, yeah, so my downstairs neighbor called me last week, and he said... I have to. I'm doing some remodeling in the master bedroom, um, and it's probably going to be a couple weeks. I now I know a year is you know that's going to be really horrible. But for me, the worst part was I. I mean, I completely forgot about it over the weekend, and then Tuesday, around maybe nine thirty, ten a.m., I wake up to the loudest sledgehammering oh, I've boy. ever heard in my entire life because apparently. He was knocking down a wall, or he was having a wall knocked down, and ever since then, it's been uh, it's been on and off, drilling, hammering, um, and literally almost right underneath me because I'm in the bedroom adjacent. So, what to are that. you doing to deal with this? I can't do anything. I don't know why. I I try and put on. I have noise canceling headphones that work for the most part, but um, other, they don't really help that much i just try and tough it out as best i can and some days like uh wednesday morning uh for example i was i was able to sleep pretty well but yesterday i had barely i got barely any sleep at all uh now that uh sounds awful so if you have suggestions for us here about uh, what you can do if you're living in a construction zone and you need to sleep at the at a time when the rest of the world is working let us know 800-848-9222 alex says the noise canceling headphones don't work do uh, do those earplugs work? Uh, and if so, do you have a particular brand of earplug that you or particular type that you recommend? Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. So now the other thing is, we used to have these beautiful trees behind us, and they would give us a lot of shade. My wa- now there's nothing back there, nothing. It looks like we're living in a prairie. It's just empty space and sun. And uh, my wife is apoplectic. She was staring out her office window because she faces the backyard. She was staring out her office window when I saw her yesterday afternoon, just mourning. And she she looked like she was traumatized. And she then, uh, even hours later, she would go into the backyard and just stare. And she came in and she said, this is just terrible. And, she, you know, she was very upset. She said, we uh, now will have no shade and no privacy. All those beautiful trees, trees which have stood probably in some cases for over over 80 or 90 years, all those trees are gone. And now it's just dirt, dirt. And then um, eventually they're going to probably put up two two-family houses, which is not exactly, you know, not making my wife pleased. But I said, well, will the houses provide some shade? She said, no, trees provide shade. And then she does this whole pacing back and forth 
in our backyard, looking at where the trees that were behind us once stood. And she comes in and she says, uh, all right, you're not going to like this, but I am calling the landscaper tomorrow. We need to figure out some sort of a shade situation, and I'm going to talk to him about what kind of trees that we can get there. She said, and I'm just telling you right now, it's going to cost us thousands of dollars, but we have no shade and no privacy, and we need both. So uh, we are going to get some trees back there. Okay, honey, fine. You know, I'm not going to be not going to say no when this is clearly something that's very important to her. What I suggested, be, and this went nowhere, that our property actually goes back another five feet from where we have our fence, but we just put up our fence, you know, basically when we first moved in two and a half years ago. And I said, well, can we move, can we control that area, that five feet behind us, even though we put up our fence? She said, no, the time to do that would have been, you know, two and a half years ago when we put up our fence. But we didn't want to do that because it would have involved us taking down these trees, which we which we like. So I don't know if there's uh, any sort of a situation there, but uh, it's really it's really a, a sad situation. Well, can't you just put the trees back if they're on your property on the other well, side of the fence? Right? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to talk to um, I'm going to talk uh, hopefully some some real estate attorneys, because I guess they could claim it through adverse possession that since they've essentially had this property forever and we never laid claim to it that uh, maybe they should still get to. But I, I don't know. Maybe we can. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very stressful time over at the Morano household. By the way, not as stressful as what is going on in the um, control room here at uh, the Red Apple Audio Network. I am seeing, I saw this memo that our chief engineer, Dan, put out with pictures of just incredible filth in the control room. If you're not a radio person, basically the control room is the area that touches the uh, the studio and it's where the, the phone, uh, the tele- telephone talent coordinator sits and it's where the, uh, the engineer sits. And Dan Herschel, who does a great job, he says, please see the picture attached that I took of control room A just now. Bacon, cookies, and a candy sprinkle. I don't mind cleaning it, but I can't understand how inconsiderate some of you are to your coworkers. And I'll be honest with you, I really, I completely agree. It's disgusting. It's disgusting that there's this, these, this sort of junk and dirt and filth in the control room. So, uh, Matt Blaze, what are you guys doing back there? Well, I can tell you, it is not us. Uh, it's never us. It is not and, us. And hold on. And I have come in here at times when I come in. And I have yelled at the people that were here because it was a mess. And I was like, what is all this crap? Like, what is, there's food everywhere, there's stuff. And my, the answer that I got was, well, my shift's not over yet. <laughs> That's what I heard when I, when I was told this. What do you mean? I don't understand. They were like, oh, like, like you don't have anything to say yet because my shift isn't over. Like, I haven't had the chance to clean it up yet. And I'm like, it shouldn't oh, be here in the I first see. place. I see, I see. They were making out. They right. were going to clean everything. Right. And I'm like, it shouldn't be like this. But we don't. We we do not keep it like that at all, ever. Plus, matter. And I don't even see what this. I don't have these pictures. You don't. Also, I'll so phone them to me because yeah, I, I don't, don't have, have them either. Yeah. And neither Matt nor I, we don't eat anything like that. 
We don't eat any of those items. All right. Well, hey, uh, they, they, apparently people are very upset about this, and there are going to be major changes made. Major changes. Well, and, I know that uh, Dan did do a deep cleaning that needed to be done, not for anything like that, but, you know, anywhere, you know, dust settles and things like that. He did clean uh, last week. So, I mean, I don't know when these pictures are from. He's not here right the second, so he, it's not from right now. I think it was from yesterday afternoon. Well, then it wasn't us because we're not here in the okay. afternoon. All right. All right. Um, how, by the way, if you want to hear more of uh, Matt Blaze, Alex Barnard, and Kenneth, you can listen to the Darker Side of Midnight podcast. Uh, just search Darker Side of Midnight on any podcast network or uh, go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com. How is that uh, podcast going? Are you guys ready to call it quits yet? Absolutely not. We are just getting started. Are you that's on what, this podcast? That's what worries me. That's what worries me. <laughs> and we just—I just added another topic to the list. Oh, did you? Right oh, now. Boy, okay. Absolutely. So there's a big problem with podcast shrinkage. I'm not joking about this. After years of rapid growth and a pandemic boom, podcasts are producing a host of down arrows. Fewer people are creating new ones. Networks are not recouping their investments, and longtime podcasters are hunting for ways to keep their shows sustainable. So what happened was podcasts changed the listening habits of millions of people over the past decade. But once that groundbreaking format is entering middle age, it's kind of leveling off a bit. The podcast ad market hasn't grown as quickly as many hoped. Um, there's a podcast search engine, which I actually did not know about. It's called Listen Notes. And it found an 80% drop in new podcasts created last year. Isn't that interesting? Listener growth last year shrank to only 5% after years of double-digit percentage growth. But apparently that podcast shrinkage is not affecting the darker side of midnight. Um, by the way, I was told that our podcast for this show, The Other Side of Midnight, and the specialty podcast, Frank Morano Interviews and More, which is just the highlights of this show and some of my local commentaries, I was told that um, we are in the, our two main podcasts are in the top 200 for U.S. entertainment podcasts, which uh, I am told reflects very well on our whole podcast team. So if you ever miss a portion of the show, make sure you listen to this podcast, The Other Side of Midnight. You can go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com or just go to iTunes and search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hit the subscribe button. Also subscribe to the Racket Report while you're there because I'm telling you guys, management delves into these podcast numbers with a fine-tooth comb like crazy. And the more downloads we get, the better it looks for us internally. And uh, they, they look at this week to week, I'm telling you. All right, 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Joe and Ronkonkoma, who's been holding. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. How are you doing tonight? Great. Thank you. Great show, like you always do. I uh, enjoy listening. You know that. Um, on two topics, one with the uh, sleeping. I'm, I have the same hours as you. I've dealt with a dog barking continuously i spoke to my neighbors and what i always do is i put a fan on i face it away from me and it seems to drown out the sound tremendously with the uh, government taking over wait, wait. I, so you t- you have a fan just like a regular ordinary oscillating fan and you just yeah. face the fan in the direction that the noise is coming from well i don't want it on top of me in the winter time in the summertime i have it on me when it's sure. hot 
but like I usually have the air conditioner going in the summertime. But what I do in the winter time is I face it with my kids running around the house because I usually, like I said, I get up around twelve thirty. So I take a little nap like you do before work and when I get home. So to drown the kids out too, the fan just like throws the noise away from where I'm sleeping. And um, what you were talking about with the government, I agree a hundred percent with them taking over. The kids are uh, getting too overweight. The food is horrible. But also, and you're going to kind of agree with me, I think the kids need to get out more and get off the video games and get out there and play like we did when we were kids. Because that's why they're getting so lazy and overweight, because they're not active. And all they're doing is sitting in front of the boob tube. You know what I'm saying? I agree uh, completely with everything that you just said. But what about, just to play devil's advocate, Joe, what about what these trade associations are saying, which is that, look, they're already pushed to the brink. They can't afford to uh, adhere to any additional requirements in changing their school menus. I think that's BS because let me tell you something. Um, I used to eat like garbage, and now I'm st- suffering with type 2 uh, prediabetes. I'm on Ozempic. I'm taking all this medication. they got to do something before people have to get to this point. And, you know, I think they got to step in. they got to step now, in. I, I, you make a very compelling case, Joe. I can't argue with that. Thank you. Um, another Joe, in, this time in Middle Village. Joe, what's on your mind? Uh, I've got to take you off speaker, right, Frank? Thank you. I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll come back to you in a moment. Aaron is in Brooklyn. Hello, Aaron. Hey, Frank. Great show. Thank you. So I sleep actually with the Bose uh, quiet comfort earbuds, and I can't hear anything. I put on like uh, airplane noise or ocean waves. And they also have a product special made for sleep. It's called, uh, I think, quiet comfort. Uh, that's a Bose and product, that quiet comfort? Bose product. Yeah. And, and and I understand the headphones that you alluded to that they'll play noise or something. What does the quiet comfort play? I think you could play whatever you want. I see. Okay. But see, that's the thing is I'm not sure if I want noise in my ears while I'm I'm sleeping, but you say it helps. I can't hear anything. All right. Well, I look, use it every night. I'm going to have to try something because, uh, you know, a few more days, like the last two that I had, it's unsustainable. Unsustainable. It's really – I. the only time I'm getting sleep is – uh, I'm sacrificing work, you know, to sleep. So t- today, for instance, I um, I had to uh, as soon we uh, as soon as we put Carmine to bed, instead of working on the show, I I took a nap instead, right at night. And I, I, again, it's you know, again, look, I guess this is a first world problem, right? The, my nap scheduling, but it it is irritating, and I, I don't mean to whine, but it is very much. On my mind, and that's a lot of what you get on this program. All right, we're going to continue with your calls in a moment. Sean, Mike, Jill, Steve, Joe, we'll get to you straight ahead. The other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I 
This is Paris by the Chainsmokers. This is a bumper music selection by my stepmother, Elizabeth Moreno, who had her birthday yesterday. Uh, so hopefully uh, she's in Florida. She's coming back up, uh, I think, this weekend. She and my father have been away for about a month and uh, looking forward to seeing them. I think they're coming to the Englewood Shatner show uh, this weekend. So uh, that'll be fun. Uh, but I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to that uh, Shatner show, both uh, Friday and Saturday. Hopefully, I'm not falling asleep on stage because I have no ability to get any sleep. But uh, I think uh, I'm really excited about this. I'll tell you what I'm not excited about. I wrote what I considered to be a very good op-ed, making the case for Tulsi Gabbard to run for president as a third party or independent presidential candidate. I thought it was very well written, very well argued, and for me, and this is very difficult for me, uncharacteristically short. Wouldn't you know it? I submitted this to The Hill, the, you know, the paper The Hill. They didn't want to publish it. They didn't say why. They said, no, thanks, basically. the I submitted it to the L.A. Times. They didn't want to publish it. So... I don't know if this is a, a lack of a reflection on my lack of writing ability or if it's a reflection of these newspapers have an agenda that does not include Tulsi Gabbard. So I'm going to maybe pitch it to somewhere else. But uh, I found that I thought I was shocked that one, like boom, boom, they both said no, they didn't want to publish it. I mean, not, not that my writing is so great, but I thought it was worth reading. 800 words. I mean, what does it cost them? Nothing. I wasn't asking to get paid. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Paulie in New Jersey. Hello, Paulie. Hey, Frank. What's going on? Uh, not too much. Not too much. I found out a way to get you to go to sleep. Let's hear it. You're, uh, listen, this is all you got to do. You dial this number, right? You dial 1-800-848-9222. Like... Friday, Saturday night, you're guaranteed to fall right to sleep. <laughs> That's very funny, Paulie. Thank you. That's very, very funny. Uh, Sean is in Brooklyn. Hello, Sean. Yeah, a lot of comedians on uh, staying up late. It's it's true. We're very lucky. We're very blessed. Everyone's auditioning. I, I work nights my whole career. Uh, I want to make a few comments about the sugar, and then uh, 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 first let's give it the fan. You, you got to get. Hey, a- Sean, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, if you don't mind, because we only have 40 seconds here, and it I'm sounds gonna- like you have. Well, no, no, let me put you on hold, and you wait. If you want to wait till the top of the hour, we'll go to you before commendations, all right? Or denunciations. You were kind enough to call in, and I made you hold, so I don't want to force you to uh, get, you know, all sorts of complex thoughts into only 30 seconds. After the top of the hour, you will hear Sean's phone call, number one. And then you will hear denunciations, number two. A lot to get to. Marlena Shiva was going to be here. And you'll never guess who she's working for. Her, I, I, It's too good. I'll tell you 
when she's here. Attorney David Schwartz will be here as well. Until next hour, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. the other side of midnight i'm frank morano we are just moments away from denunciations where i call out those responsible for certain shenanigans but first here is a word from sean in brooklyn hello sean oh studio 54 the fun house indeed indeed sean what's on your mind okay um you're sleeping. I work nights my whole career. You need to get a fan. It's the only thing that's going to work. Either that or you're going to move. Well, we're not moving. No, so okay, so get uh, a fan. Get a fan. Put it on uh, the shelf next to where you, your bed, and you'll sleep fine. I, I use it every night. It's great. And now so I want to talk about the sugar. I'll make it quick. Okay. First of all, high fructose corn syrup, the sugar industry wants nothing to do with that. Okay, this goes back to the they came up with it's it's man-made. It's fake. It's an artificial flavoring that came out in about 1960. Right. No, I'm I'm aware. uh, Go ahead. I'll let you finish and then I'll respond. Go ahead. So, yes. yes. So anyway, the reason why, uh, uh, you know, it's not just the kids. Everyone's turning into a fat slob. I mean, you got to really just be careful what you choose. You can't don't like listen up McDonald's and Pepsi and Coke. Anyone who puts high fructose corn syrup in your product, don't buy it. You gotta be. You gotta read it, but don't buy it. It's garbage, and it's not good for you. Well, Sean, and, I completely, yes, I completely agree with you, and that's kind of that's the point that I was making. In that the government, yeah, right, yeah, the government, and I think I'll, it has to, to do in yeah. part with the fact that Vilsack is from Iowa. They're not doing anything to propose a, uh, you know, a decrease in, or, or I would say there should be an exclusion, a ban right. on high fructose corn banned. syrup in uh, in school lunches. And they are banning it. And back to your government, right? In other words, whether you're in a Mississippi school or New York City school, the the the, the lunch is going to still be the same. It's the cheapest stuff they can get because they bid. The uh, right. uh, uh, food manufacturing will bid to get the contract, and they sell the cheapest garbage. And uh, I agree with you. I mean, you gotta. It's it's like a slippery slope. You know, you you, you gotta have regulation. You say, hey, okay, we don't want garbage being sold in the schools and then it comes out to money so i mean i think it should be regulated yes it should be regulated where i know they have to factor in cost but again don't feed the people garbage I I completely agree with you there sean look uh, and thank you I, i know whenever i mention high fructose corn syrup the defenders of high fructose corn syrup email me and they reach out saying, no, 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 there's no evidence of this, no evidence of that. 
uh, please save the cost of the postage stamp on the email that you send me because uh, you are not going to convince me that high fructose corn syrup isn't harmful to children and adults. You know, it's not just like sugar. It's worse. It's worse. Sugar, eventually, at least you'll get full. It contains no essential nutrients. It can increase the risk of all sorts of serious diseases, um, diabetes among them, increases your risk of obesity and weight gain, increases your risk of fatty liver disease, and it adds an unnatural amount of fructose to your diet. See, the fructose in high fructose corn syrup can cause all sorts of health issues. Most starchy carbs, you know, rice, uh, things like that, they're broken down into glucose, the basic form of carbs. But table sugar and high fructose corn syrup, they comprise around 50% glucose and 50% fructose. Glucose is easily transported and utilized by every cell in your body. It's also the primary fuel source for exercise and things like that. That's why you always see bodybuilders and runners carving up with things like pasta and rice. In contrast, the fructose from high fructose corn syrup needs to be converted into glucose or fat by the liver before it can be used as fuel. So like regular table sugar, high fructose corn syrup is a rich source of fructose And in the past few decades, the intake of fructose and of high fructose corn syrup has increased significantly. So before high fructose corn syrup became affordable and widely available, people's diets contained only small amounts of fructose from natural sources like fruits and vegetables. And the adverse um, effects from high fructose corn syrup are very real, very real. And you ask yourself... And I don't want to get on a whole soapbox or a whole tangent. I guess it's maybe too late for that, and I want to do denunciations. But you ask yourself why. If this is so bad for you, why is it in everything? And the bottom line is, just like the crime debate in New York, I was listening, very good interview on uh, the Cats at Night show, and that is the one radio show that I never, ever miss. And if you read my uh, interview that I did with uh, All Access in which I talk a lot about the radio business and my day, I say that, and people might have thought that I was brown-nosing, but it's true. I really don't miss an episode. And um, I was listening to this interview that uh, Dominic Carter did with Michael Goodwin, and Michael Goodwin made the point that uh, basically saying, what's the matter with the Bronx? Why do they keep electing, even though they're experiencing high crime, why do they keep electing people that uh, are um, continuing the crime problem rather than solving it? And it's a great question. And the answer is the same reason we are putting corn syrup in everything. Politics. Everything comes down to politics. And if we had greater political reform, if we had political reform that empowered people instead of the most extreme elements in the Democratic primary then it would be a different ballgame in New York in terms of crime. And if we did not have Iowa playing such a pivotal role in electing presidents, you would not see the corn subsidies that we have. 
And that is a fact. And that with that, you wouldn't see the ethanol that we have. And with that, you wouldn't see high fructose corn syrup and everything. It's a direct result of politics. And so is the crime issue. Everything is. Everything is. Uh, the, you know, the foreign policy decisions we make, the crime laws that we have and how they're enforced and what's in our food. It all comes down to special interest control of the legislative sausage making on a state level and municipal level. And until we do something about that, all these problems will persist. All right. Without further ado, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciations. I must announce the nation of Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan banned Wikipedia. The Pakistan Telecommunication Authority banned the crowdsource encyclopedia for not removing content that was deemed sacrilegious. They banned Wikipedia from the whole country. Now, I have my problems with Wikipedia, namely that I don't have an entry. But um, the fact that you're going to ban one of the most popular websites in the world because it includes content that you deem sacrilegious, that's crazy. So yesterday, after four or five days of this, they did away with the ban. They have now unbanned Wikipedia in Pakistan after the world shamed them. But they were already on my denunciation list. And while I applaud them for backtracking on that, I think that uh, they still, the fact that they wanted to ban Wikipedia, it really says a lot about what's going on in Pakistan these days. I must denounce Kyrie Irving. I I don't really care much about Kyrie Irving. I I don't care if he's getting vaccinated. I don't care if he's playing for the Nets or whatever, the Dallas Mavericks. I I don't follow professional basketball that closely. It doesn't affect me. I I just am not that into it. Here's what I do have a problem with. You remember, you know, the big controversy over him praising this movie that was anti-Semitic and making comments about the movie that seemed to support anti-Semitic tropes. Well, basically, the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, forced him to make an apology, essentially. And he tweeted his apology. Well, now that he's been traded to the Dallas Mavericks, Kyrie Irving deleted his Instagram post from November in which he apologized to the Jewish community. So this is crazy. It shows you this apology was not sincere. It was done so that he could play basketball and make money. He deleted his apology as soon as he was traded. So, I mean, I think that tells you where his heart is. Unlike people who accuse... Uh, Pat Buchanan or uh, Ralph Nader or Douglas McGregor of anti-Semitism. I think Kyrie Irving and people like Kanye West, these are very real anti-Semites. And I think uh, Kyrie Irving just underscored that point yesterday. I want to denounce the (laughs) Department of Labor. I'm going to tell you a number. This is going to blow your mind. One hundred sixty. Three billion. You know what that is? That is the amount in dollars that was misspent or stolen from pandemic unemployment benefits. The, the Inspector General of the Labor Department 
just released this report in which we have seen at least $163 billion. That's an enormous amount of money. An enormous amount of money. That is more than the entire budget of New York City. In unemployment-related overpayments, as well as significant benefits obtained by malicious actors. Now, you might say, okay, well, they know about it. $163 billion claimed by all these bad guys or overspent or misspent. Well, can't we get it back? Yeah, yeah, we got some of it back. You know how much of the $163 billion the taxpayers got back? $4 billion. $4 billion. $159 billion in pandemic aid down the tubes, wasted or stolen. Doesn't anybody think, and you're going to see the same situation go on in Ukraine now that we're giving them $100 billion, but doesn't anybody think that when we're just handing out money willy-nilly that there should be some safeguards in terms of watching out for who gets it? Or who can steal it and making sure we're not overpaying. Um, this is just crazy. Uh, absolute, uh, absolutely crazy. Criminals employed bots to fire off thousands of applications uh, with a single computer click. There was large-scale fraud. There was large-scale incompetence. I mean, this is just a tsunami of fraud. And it was totally foreseeable. Totally foreseeable. This is really just disconcerting. $163 billion wasted. All right. Uh, Let me denounce the vandal at the Central Park Zoo. There is a Eurasian eagle owl that is not in the zoo. He was liberated from his enclosure by vandals last week. And he was spotted Saturday, not from his home. His name is Flacco, which means uh, skinny in Spanish. And this owl has been in captivity for 12 years. And they say he has likely lost the skills needed for catching a wild prey. And so he's probably not able to obtain food on his own in the wild. This, whoever vandalized this Central Park Zoo exhibit needs to... um, Really pay the piper for this. Because if this owl dies because of some vandal, I don't know if they were doing it through some misguided notion of liberating this owl. I don't know if they're doing it because to be a troublemaker. But they should find these vandals and throw the book at them. Absolutely throw the book at them. The fact that this owl has uh, evaded capture since last week is leading to all sorts of jokes about him on social media, some of which are quite funny. For instance, they're calling him the real Houdini. Thank you. Um, I, wa- I want to denounce Burger King Israel. Now, there's a class action lawsuit that's been filed against Burger King Israel because some observant Jews accidentally ate a cheeseburger. Now, you might say... What are you talking about? If you're kosher and you're observant, shouldn't you know you're not supposed to eat a cheeseburger? Well, yes. But they had a sign up in the Burger King saying that this was a restaurant that was certified kosher. So this one guy that's leading 
the class action lawsuit against Burger King, he said he thought it was vegan cheese, which is in some cases very good. I go to a sandwich shop, a Filinchino, and I'll get some vegan cheese on some of the dishes they make. I got to tell you, it's delicious. But um, the fact that they had a sign up there saying that the restaurant was kosher when it wasn't, this is just crazy. So uh, they say the sign was outdated. So the man ate the cheeseburger that he assumed was made with non-dairy fake cheese. He was so impressed with the realistic taste that he asked the staff how they made it taste like real cheese. And it was then that they told him it was real cheese. So this poor guy ended up eating this cheeseburger. So prior to 2021, the location was kosher. Since then, it no longer is, but they kept the sign up. So uh, I think this uh, this is a very strong lawsuit. I don't know what the financial damages are, but hopefully this will send a message to the next restaurant that masquerades as kosher. I also want, speaking of food, I wanted to announce these sushi terrorists that are running around. Are you up on this sushi terrorism movement? This is apparently all the rage in social media, especially on TikTok, in places like Japan. They serve the sushi in a lot of the restaurants in Japan, which I've never been to. I'd like to go. They serve the sushi on a lot of restaurants in Japan on conveyor belts. The sushi train restaurants are apparently an iconic part of Japan's food culture. So now there are all these videos of people licking shared soy sauce bottles and messing with plates of food on conveyor belts. And it's leading uh, all sorts of critics to question what's going on in this COVID-conscious world that we're supposedly in. So last week, for instance, there was a video taken at Sushiro, a popular sushi chain. It went viral showing a male customer licking his fingers and touching food as it came down the rotating belt. And the man is also seen licking a condiment bottle and a cup that he places back into a communal pile. This prank has set off a deluge of criticism, but it's also set off a deluge of copycats. And they're calling these guys sushi terrorists. These guys are jerks, and I do denounce them. I must also denounce Allied Universal in Orange County, Florida. A 72-year-old woman, a janitor, was locked inside the Orange County Courthouse for three days last weekend. On the evening of Friday, January 27th, Libya Vargas Didinas was cleaning the courthouse when she walked into a holding cell and couldn't go out. She couldn't get out of the holding cell. She's also a diabetic and was stuck inside without her phone, with no food, and just a small amount of water to drink from the top of a toilet. And she remained there until an officer found her the following Monday morning. There was no way for her to unlock it when she was inside. Can you imagine the trauma? The janitor trapped in the courthouse holding cell for days. A lot of this is caught on video. Um, Apparently, and of course, I'm sure there's going to be a lawsuit here. The Allied Universal is... Allied Universal is the security company that's supposed to be patrolling the courthouse. 
And clearly they weren't doing that great of a job. All the cleaning crew is supposed to do is return at 10 p.m. to give the keys back and retrieve their driver's licenses before signing out. And something really went wrong here. So uh, Allied Universal didn't respond to any media inquiries, but I felt so bad for this 72-year-old woman. She was traumatized. She was frightened. No food for three days. Only waters from a toilet. Allied Universal, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Medgar Webster Sr. You know, when you have a name like Medgar Webster Sr., you know you're either doing something, you're either a really good person or a really bad person, right? I mean, there's nobody that's like a take him or leave him, Medgar Webster Sr. Well, Medgar Webster Sr. is the former vice chair of the Washington, D.C. political union. And she was uh, working at Whole Foods. What's the matter with that? Well, she was working for, at Whole Foods while she was on duty with the Metropolitan Police Department. She was on the clock getting paid as a cop. And yet, oh, and getting overtime by the way, and all the while, while she's on the clock as a cop, she's working at Whole Foods. Talk about double dipping. Medgar Webster Sr., I do denounce you penultimately. I must denounce New York State Trooper Edward Longo. Edward Longo has been writing at least two dozen false traffic tickets now facing felony charges, including one written last March to a man who died earlier in the day. He wrote a ticket to a dead person. He patrolled busy highways in Westchester where there's no shortage of people speeding and committing other infractions. But instead, Trooper Longo tried to boost his productivity by writing phony tickets. This is just crazy. This was a blatant scheme And he would write these false tickets for speeding, seatbelt violations, failure to signal. And he would submit names that didn't match driver's license numbers or dates of birth. And he even ticketed a man who had died in a crash hours before. Shocking. Why would a trooper do this? Uh, I, I recognize that there's a lot of pressure in terms of quotas. On a lot of these state troopers, and I think that's wrong. But there's no excuse for giving a ticket to someone that's dead or giving anybody a false ticket. And finally, I must denounce MSNBC. These guys are, they're no brain surgeons over there, that's for sure. So uh, Congresswoman Annie Craig was assaulted in her apartment elevator on Thursday morning. And understandably, she asked for privacy. Uh, she, you know, she, uh, she's from Minnesota. I don't know if I mentioned that. MSNBC's report on the crime aired an image of the unredacted police report revealing her home address. MSNBC, after this congresswoman was assaulted, put her home address on television. I mean, we know of all the sickos that may be living in Minnesota. Do you really want them having the address of a congresswoman that was just assaulted? 
I vote no. MSNBC, I do denounce you. Calls, questions, comments, you're welcome to them. Just call 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Still to come, uh, Marlena Schiavo and David Schwartz. Lots more straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Avicii, um, this is a this is a pretty good song. I like uh, Avicii, um, and um, I, I can never I never knew that that was how it's pronounced. I always thought it was Avicii. Uh But uh, this is a selection, a birthday bumper music selection from uh, James, who had his birthday yesterday. James over at NYCHA, uh, a friend of Brian Silverstein, and I know him. Solely through Brian Silverstein. I've met James about six times over the course of the last 15 years through my friend Brian Silverstein. And that's the extent of our relationship, James Parzielli. But apparently he's a fan of Avicii. And it was his birthday yesterday. Hopefully it was a fun one. All right. Uh, 800-848-9222. A lot of people have been holding. I'll get to as many of you as we can. Let me say hello to Steve in Manhattan. Hello, Steve. All right, Big Frank. And first, you got, you got to get the big cat to rip that phone system out. You know, you can't have every call sound like a Rice Krispies commercial. Agreed. You know, you got a new system. You Trust me, we're working a, on it. We're working on it. This is a professional operation here. And um, sugar and sound. Uh, first, I'll hit the the uh, sugar. I, there was a person who was able to get all the sugar, the bad sugar, out of his school. And what the, what ended up happening was before school, during lunch, and after school, the, the kids would go into the delis and the candy stores around the school, and yes, you guessed it, they loaded up on sugar. Now, with, with the sound around your house, first of all, they're not building a housing project back there, are they? Uh, no, but I mean, I think it's going to be probably, my wife predicted two two-family houses. Oh, okay, because um, what'll happen is you'll hear noise for like two or three days, 
And then for a couple of days, you won't hear any noise. You say, wow, we're finally getting some peace and quiet. Then all of a sudden, it'll sound like B-52 bombers flying over because uh, outside of putting up one of those giant things they put on the highways, those big barrier walls that do deflect some sound and stuff, you're going to be in for it. That's it. And I could tell you, um, people say put a fan on. Not when construction is going on, fan is not going to work. I mean, you could try to deflect some of the sound. I mean, you could put on Led Zeppelin and Queen, blast that, and, and just listen to that. But for, and also, it's going to deflect. It's going to hurt the little guy too. He's going to be affected by that noise. And also for well, you, I, I know. I mean, he's got a little. I mean, he does nap during the day once, but um, the, the, he's got a more conventional sleep schedule. He's at least sleeping at night. When they don't have these, uh, you know, the, these these crazy construction. I'm sleeping during the day, so it affects me more than him. No, night workers always get hit with the day construction. That's just part of life. I'm just talking about even when he's up and he starts hearing that noise. That's not good for the, for the little guy. And also for you, Frank, I think, first of all, I heard Shander interviewed on another show, and I'm, I'm saying, he's, I know he's going to say Frank's name. He's going to mention Frank. He never mentioned you, but I think you should really... Go out to wherever you go in Jersey early in the days. Go into a hotel there and get your rest. You don't want to be going up or down Route 9 of the Garden State in a traffic jam or something. You're a big star now. Check into a hotel, get your rest and everything, and get ready for the big show. Well, hey, that's an idea. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate that. 800-848-9222. Original Rick is in New Jersey. Hello, Original Rick. Yes, good morning, Frank. Good morning. And, And before I forget... Good luck tomorrow. Best wishes on, on your performance. Appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're going to do great, Frank. You're going to do great. Uh, about the, I, I don't want to disappoint your wife with the trees, but I ran into the same situation where they, the city removed all five trees from around my house and left me naked. So I, I had a guy come in. I said, listen, i got to do something for some kind of shade and privacy. And he looked at me at my age, and he said, you know, sir, it's going to be like 10 years before you see any real benefit from planting trees because, Frank, the trees they put in are like little sticks, you know? They're not trees, they're sticks. They grow into trees, but you can't just replace a tree and get shade in a year, you know? So it's going to be a while before she sees any benefit. Mm. Just let her know. All right. Well, I mean, uh, we, we're nothing if not patient, uh, Rick. Yeah, they, they have varieties that grow pretty quick, Frank, but then they have no limiter on those trees. They just keep growing and growing and growing to you have to remove them because they're going to topple over, you know? They're They're like Franken trees. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to, you know, she and my landscaper are taking this very seriously. So uh, I'm sure they're going to have a series of meetings about this. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate it. Uh, Yeah. As Rick mentioned, tonight and tomorrow, I am going to be in New Jersey with William Shatner. I'm very excited. There's going to be a screening of uh, the film that many people consider to be the film that saved the franchise. Uh, some people even believe it's the best Star Trek film ever made, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which includes some terrific <laughs> acting on the part of uh, William Shatner. We spoke to the director of that film, Nicholas Meyer, yesterday. I thought he was really interesting, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this. A bunch of people, including just today, I, I got about a half dozen emails Maybe more that, of people asking, oh, are you going to record this Can if we can't make it, um, you know, including we had one listener in Italy, one listener in France. They said, obviously, we're not able to be there 
Can you record this and play it on the radio? I did ask about that, and the answer to that is is no. Uh, we are not able to record that. And I understand it. I mean, Shatner does this show all over the country. He was in Indianapolis yesterday. He was in Texas last month, and then he's going to Milwaukee and uh, Atlanta. So I'm sure he's got some of the same jokes that he uses in this stage show that he does. And I'm sure he tells some of the same stories from making Star Trek II or going to space or his life in general. So, um, I mean, it stands to reason that he wouldn't want everybody hearing about them on the radio so that they're less funny when people hear them, you know, in person. So, no, there will be no recording. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to going, though, and, uh, you know, it should be it should be a lot of fun. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about it. I am going to try and get a um, – I, I didn't shave yesterday in anticipation of getting a a, a, a straight-edge shave today. And I'm trying to figure out, based on our meeting schedule, if I should do it right somewhere near Manhattan, somewhere in Manhattan early in the day, or go back home to where I live and go somewhere near – where I live. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure that out. What is the status of our uh, post-show meeting today, Mr. Matt Place? As far as I know, it'll be at uh, 5 a.m. All right. Well, we will see. That's the last word I heard. All right. Well, that that would be nice. That would be nice if it's uh, right at 5 and then we can, or 5 o'clock Eastern, and then we can leave uh, right afterwards. All right. Um, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Two, I'll tell you, though, this Shatner show is going to be something. No joke, I have five hours worth of questions. I'll tell you what my real hope is. The You know, I saw Rush Limbaugh on Broadway in uh, 2006. And he was only scheduled to speak for, I don't know, an hour, maybe an hour and a half. But there were so many questions that people submitted And it was clear that he was not going to be able to even make a dent in these questions within the time that he had allotted to speak to the crowd. And Rush looks at his watch and sees that he's just about out of time. And he says to the crowd, all right, you know, we're we're supposed to be done, but do you have time for this? Do you want to stick around a little while? And the crowd just erupts. So my hope is that Shatner is enjoying this conversation so much that we will be able to just continue to speak, right, and uh, and to go on for, you know, two or three hours. Because I can promise you, this is not going to be a boring conversation. We are talking about everything. I mean, including some very – I asked. I asked specifically. I said, is there anything you don't want me to bring up? And I was told, no, nothing's off limits. Plus – there's going to be questions from the uh, the audience as My well. Dear Frank Morello, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, forward to now, it are you going to bring? How many books are you going to bring for Shatner to sign? I. That's <laughs> a good question. So I am bringing one today, and <sighs> then, assuming this goes as well as I think it's going to go, I'm bringing three more tomorrow, <laughs> uh, and then. Um, I also have all sorts of uh, – I don't want to give all my tricks away, but I'm trying to figure out if, you know, he would end every episode of Boston Legal with a, uh, a scotch and a cigar with James Spader. 
I'm trying to figure out how feasible it is for me to get us both to light up cigars on the stage while we're while we're doing this. It's probably not feasible, but I have a whole bunch of tricks in my bag of tricks like this. It's really going to be something. I mean, way, you're going to be on stage. You should be able to do it. I hope so. In terms of like like smoking laws, but you're on a it's a performance, right? Exactly. That's what I would think. Now, are you going to bring like the Shatner CDs? Or record albums for him to sign, anything like that? So I'm not going to have him sit and sign 20 different things. I'm trying to be respectful of his time. But I will have everything ready, right? Yesterday I was listening to his newest album. It's called Bill. Great album. And I developed a whole bunch of questions based on that album. It's going to be – there's there's, – I have these questions here that – there's Star Trek questions. There's questions about his life. There's questions about horses. There's a whole series of questions about T.J. Hooker, uh, Boston legal questions. This stuff nobody knows that, that he's experienced that I have questions about. There's questions about interviewing, uh, questions about Rush Limbaugh and watching Monday Night Football with Rush Limbaugh. There's questions about all sorts of things, all sorts of things. The Michael Myers Halloween mask. It's really – there's no way I can limit this to only an hour. So I'm hoping he is, thinks it's going so well and stays another two hours. So, By the way, there are still tickets available to Saturday night. Uh, if you haven't gotten tickets yet, you can go to bergenpack.org and uh, use the, the code NJFrank, NJFrank, and you can uh, use that to – and I think you have to click unlock or something too, and then you save $10. I'm hoping a lot of people do purchase these tickets because I have asked – here's what happened. So I got a couple of pairs of tickets. Now I bought my tickets. All right, uh, before I knew I was going to be have anything to do with this, bought I bought my tickets. So then I got a couple of pairs of tickets for my parents and for a friend. Right, and that's it. And I didn't think I was being greedy. I asked the Shatner folks. They said fine, okay. Then another very close friend asks me just yesterday, and I, I, I'm saying to this person, I don't want to say his name. Because he's kind of well known, but I said, "Why did you not ask me about this a week ago or a month ago if you wanted to go?" So I'm not going back to the Shatner people and asking for more questions. So what I did was I went to the venue and asked for more tickets, and uh, I'm hoping that they'll see. Whoa! So many people bought these tickets when Frank uh, talked about it on the radio and used their promo code, and you know they're advertising also, which is very nice. But um, hopefully they will say, all right, well, okay, we'll give Frank another pair. Otherwise, I'll buy this pair for my, this other friend of mine. Um, but it's uh, – I just don't know what people are waiting for for the last minute like this. Are you hoping that you will now become best friends with Bill Shatner? Absolutely. Here's how I envision. Here's how I envision. I figured you had some sort of plan and vision of how this is going to go. So, I've been trying to figure out if he invites me to his house for the Super Bowl on Sunday, how I can make it there for Sunday and then be on the radio for Sunday night into Monday morning. And then I'm just assuming that he's going to invite me to join him on these shows in Milwaukee and Atlanta. Now, he may, for all I know, he may already have a moderator in place. There, but I'm planning to be there, and I'm already making plans for, um, you know, for the, his charity horse auction. He's coming back to New York in um, July to go to this Star Trek exhibit in Ticonderoga, 
And I'm planning to be up there for that now. I'm trying to arrange, see what we can do. There. Yes. So, yeah, I, I, we're practically already best friends already. So that's where we are. Uh, 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to uh, Jeff in Queens. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Frank. How are you? Listen, two things uh, on the Shatner thing. You the way the way you got close to him was by doing the interview on the on the on the uh, radio, radio right on, on your show right. right? And you you went from zero to a hundred in one show. By, by that I mean you you gained his his appreciation, his love of you, you know, his of your style in one show, one one interview. Well, maybe two. But oh, yeah. two, two. Okay, that, are, are those on the archives? Uh, yeah, if you if you email me, Excellent. I'll send you the links. But yeah, they're all Excellent. on. Um, you know, if you go to fmwabc.com or redapplepodcastnetworks.com, if you search Shatner, they should come I, up. I, I gotta say, Frank, that is like hitting a lot of times a million. That's unbelievable what you did. I mean, I, I forget that that's a silly analogy. It just shows. No, I agree. A, I, I I view it exactly the same way. Honestly, if um if I was terminally ill, God forbid, and I got a wish, like an end-of-life wish, this would probably be it, right, to be able to be on stage and talk with about Star yeah. Trek with William Shatner for an hour. Actually, the analogy was poor because the, the, the lotto is luck. You did, you did not get it out of luck, Frank. You got it out of your love of Shatner and, your edu- and, and all the knowledge you've gained over the years. Well, Unbelievable. I appreciate it. The second last thing, the, the fact that your backyard, which you once had, and you thought you were going to have forever, and your wife thought we were going to have forever, with trees, shade, and a beautiful view, is being destroyed, is the most tragic thing a homeowner could ever experience, Ray. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, thank you. Uh, not as sorry as my wife was. I, and I'm telling you, people may think I'm exaggerating. She was really upset. I mean, I don't think she was crying, but she was very broken up over this. Honestly, um, you know, we, she we we delayed having dinner so that she could pace in the backyard and look at where these trees were. I mean, she's, no joke, really upset. And you could see there is a big difference. We used to have these nice trees with all sorts of shade and all sorts of everything, and now it's just emptiness, emptiness. My, it, I used the analogy before. It is like living on a prairie. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is right the here, other Frank side. <laughs> this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, coming up in ten minutes, Marlena Shivo will be here. David Schwartz will be here, and I really must commend the uh, people of Nashville, Tennessee, and of Anchorage, Alaska, because these folks have demonstrated an enormous amount of self-restraint. Why? Well, in those markets, 
they only carry three hours of our program. They don't carry all four. And yet, even though we've developed a team of addicts, of Moranaholics in those markets, they have still not stormed the radio station with pitchforks and demanded someone scalp for not carrying the fourth hour of this show. Do you what? realize how frustrating that is to how the people listening you? to this show? It's the equivalent of as Picasso, maybe Picasso is a bad example, as Bob Ross is about to finish a painting, he's about to draw these happy little trees, happy little trees. Right before he's about to draw the happy little trees or paint the happy little trees, somebody snatches the paintbrush right out of his hand and doesn't let him finish. This is a show that is meant to be listened to holistically. And uh, if you are in Nashville or in Anchorage, you can catch up on the podcast of what you miss by going to redapplepodcastnetwork.com or by searching The Other Side of Midnight uh, with Frank Morano. I don't want to sound ungrateful to our affiliates in those markets for not for, for carrying the show in the first place, but um, uh, it's just, it's very, fr- I've heard from a lot of listeners, so you got to, don't tell me, you've got to tell the local the local radio stations that you work at. All right. Listening to Frank Morano and eating gabagoo. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Neil. Neil's a great guy. Neil's uh, battling some health challenges this week. So if Neil's listening, uh, know that we're thinking about you, buddy. The show is not the same without you. All right. Let me bring this to you. Oh, no, no. Mike in Baltimore has been holding. Uh, Mike in Baltimore. Hello. Hey, Frank. How you doing? I'm sure you'll have a great show tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, a couple of weeks. One was... Um, in Maryland, the state troopers are the cream of the crop. They're the best of the best, the smartest, the fastest, you know, yada, yada. They guard the governor. Um, I don't know where this trooper was from, but didn't he realize that people had to sign the ticket? They would, you know, it would come back on him? You know, it's a great question. I don't know if you get a uh, – he's from New York State, but I don't know if you get a ticket in New York from a trooper – what you know? What you have to do in terms of signing or anything? But yeah, I would think he would have known that there was going to be some response. Even the people that were living would say, "No, yeah, this is not me." Well, with uh, maybe with all the cuts, they uh, did away with some of the training. That's usually the first thing to go when they um, cut, you know, cut budgets. Yeah, I, you like know, that. you broke up a second there, Mike. They did away uh, with some of the what when they cut budgets? The, the, tra- the training. Oh, the training. Know, the training. And, yeah, it wouldn't and surprise they were forced me. Forced to hire some other, you know, kind of. Folks that probably wouldn't have been troopers in the beginning, you know, maybe they're you know hard up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it could be, Mike. It could be. Right. The other thing is, I used to live with a, a rock band for years, and I, I DJed at night, and needed to sleep during the day when they would practice. So uh, one thing, if they eat too loud, we pull the uh, fuse out of the power so they blow a fuse but they didn't like that too much well so, i don't know that i, I can just, do that with a wood chipper though yeah you can't really do that so i just suggest uh maybe having a big meal and washing it down with a few beers <laughs> that usually helps in sleep so. uh, thank you mike i, I yeah. appreciate that that is the last thing i need believe me um, hey, big shout out to kimberly kravitz who is my second cousin in law and a good friend 
and uh, she is uh, she is listening. She enjoyed hearing levels right now. So that's a it's a one vote for the James DJ selection that we heard before. Mike is in Queens. Hello there, Mike. Hey, Frank. Uh, thanks. The hat fit nicely. Uh, I'm the uh, blind guy who occasionally calls in for you. Oh, great. Uh, so the, uh, the, the with the two things, one with the sugar, my A1C went up, so I have to adjust everything now for sugar and everything. But, uh, you know, the, the number one thing you, that, that they need to do for the schools with the kids is, is basically, uh, you know, increase the carbs uh, in, in some areas where they can also increase their sports activity and other you know, PE and other things. That way they work out the sugar out of their system. And uh, on top of that, if they're going to increase the budgets, then buy it from local farmers. When my sons were going to school up in Buffalo, uh, you know, they made sure that, that the food was sourced as much as possible. You know, Buffalo School District would go around to the farms in Batavia and the other counties and, and the other areas, and, and they sourced a lot of the vegetables and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, food supplies from those areas. And that helped a lot with, uh, with the, the things. Now, as to sleeping, you're going to have to do some strenuous activity. Think about, you know, making a playmate for Conline. That would be a good way to, you know, increase your wait, stress wait, level. Uh, and be, repeat the sentence. Think about what? Uh, think about, uh, you know, you and your wife getting together and uh, making up playmates for Carmine. <laughs> you know, that would be that would be something. You know, that, you know, you know the, but the trick, the problem is, though, right? So I am she's starting her work day uh, right around the time that I'm starting my sleep day. You see, so there's a little bit of, um, you know, we're on sort of opposite schedules in the morning. But believe me, I appreciate the the sentiment there, Mike. And uh, trust me, as as often as there's an opportunity, I'm eager to do so. One quick thing, I did send you something on the balloons. Check your email. You're going to like that story. I will. How the U.S. Air Force was actually testing these things back in uh, 2019. Well, I'm not surprised, right? And one of the things we heard from Colonel McGregor yesterday, and thanks for the call, Mike. Have a good weekend. Is that this is very common, uh, very common for countries to do with one another all all over the place, right? So it's not exactly a a groundbreaking uh, thing. Hey, real quick. This was really interesting. This is from the the UK. A stunned late night reveler ha- was left out of pocket after mistakenly forking out 666 pounds for a veggie burger which should have cost 650, meaning just 6 6 pounds. Toby Wilson, 35-year-old man, unknowingly spent hundreds of dollars or hundreds of pounds, which is also hundreds of dollars on the veggie burger and chips meal at food truck F's kebab kitchen on his way home from a night out. And he only clocked the whopping miscalculation when he checked his account balance days after to find it had dropped significantly. But when the HR manager approached business owner Ahmed Abdullah about his huge card payment, he said the vendor told him to seek a refund through his bank. More than a month later, he claims the pair remain at a stalemate over any possible repayment of this costly late-night dinner. This young man explicitly believes no fraudulent activity has taken place, but said the initial funny saga had caused him unending weeks of stress. I really relate to this, and I'll tell you why. I have no idea what anything costs. You know, when I get a meal, a drink, uh, whatever, I give them my credit card. I have to tell you, I will know. Usually I'll put a gratuity on there, so I'll at least glance at the price. But I have no idea what anything costs. They could be charging 
$500 more for, for me, and I wouldn't know about it at all until I checked. So I, I really relate to what this guy is going through, and I hope he gets his money back quickly. All right. Luckily for you, business is about to pick up. Marlena Shivo is here. David Schwartz is here. A lot to get to, and uh, we will do so over the course of the next hour. Uh, you want to comment on anything we've covered, you can do so, 800-848-9222. You can also email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. And we're on Facebook as well, at facebook.com slash fan. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Grant, your influence counts. Be sure to use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. That um, Alaska was the biggest state a couple of minutes ago, and uh, I had a suspicion that was the case anyway, but it has been confirmed by one of the uh, two people that are going to join us this hour. And it is always, even if it's dark outside, it is always a bright day when I'm joined by uh, a close friend and somebody I consider one of the most astute and wittiest people anywhere in broadcasting, certainly one of the hardest working, Marlena Shivo, who is a veteran media producer, a satirist, a social critic, and a mother of two. Hello, Marlena. Good morning. Hello, Frank. How are you? I'm doing great. Are you feeling better than... From our text messages, you felt you feel cranky on text. We'll we'll, we'll get into this okay. in in a moment. All right, uh, you know you're the only person I know. Well, not the only person. You're one of the like six people that I know that I have to kind of uh, not just say okay in response to a text message. I have to like bring my a game. I have to start smiling as I return my uh, SMS. <laughs> That's you know not it necessarily is? true. I it's just certain text messages that are more in-depth, sometimes get a very pithy answer that seems a little fair, fair, off-putting. Fair. Okay. Uh, Feels fair. off-putting. That's fair. We'll get into the uh, the, the text communication uh, field in just a moment. Also, uh, returning to the microphone dark and early is attorney, lobbyist, and noted TV analyst David Schwartz. David, it is good to see you. It's Thanks good, for coming in. Good to be here. I'm also a noted attorney. I'm not just a noted TV analyst. I'm, I'm definitely a noted attorney. <laughs> And a noted lobbyist. Yeah, I'd hire so, you. So it's, it's okay. If I killed someone, but, I'd hire but, you. But um, I'm, I'm actually on your side on the text messages. Like, there's a lot of time. You know, you're running around. You may not want to write everything that you want to write in this world oh, okay. on a text. Well, all, right. all right. Since all right. we brought this up, let, right. let's discuss it. All right. So, um, Listen, David, you can't go against me too much. I, you are my birthday twin. I know. Okay. I, 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 I can't believe it I'm not. It should be two against one. I, I'm, I'm with you all the time. When is Just birth- not on this one little issue. <laughs> when is your birthday again? It really depends. Um, We're August It depends twins. on when your birthday No, oh, it really August depends. Yeah. Yes, we are August 6th. But it really depends on who you're texting with. Now, I have done the same thing that you've done where I'm very short with my text messages, but it really depends on the person. But there are people that I allot more words 
four. I see. Exactly. So, okay. And you were on the list. Now you might not be <laughs> on that list anymore. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, now that I know the deal here, now that I know the stock, the weight that you're putting in our text wow. message communications, I have an idea. But um, just understand, like, uh, it takes me three days to catch up on these SMS text messages. Look, I, I still have 34 unread SMS text messages. And you know what? I feel like Sisyphus. As soon as I respond to one, boom, another one just comes. <laughs> I can never get ahead. I can never get ahead. Um, well, you have to stop friending people. Y- you're right. You, you know, it's funny. Um, the one, one thing that my wife and my ex-girlfriend uh, both agreed on is that you can have a point. Isn't your in- wife and your ex-girlfriend the same person? No. Well, I mean. Technically, now- <laughs> she, she was your ex-girlfriend who became you're now white. Uh, but you can have more than one ex-girlfriend. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are in for one of those hours. I can already see we are in for one of those hours. No, but one of the things that uh, several romantic partners that I've had over the years have agreed upon several. is that... And then we're going to define several with the lawyer over is, there. Is that maybe um, there can be a point where you have too many close friends. And if there is, I have exceeded that that point. Because, uh, you know, a friendship is... A genuine friendship is not just a face. Facebook thing. It's something that you put in work and time to. And in my case, I have the 34 unread SMS text messages to prove it. Yeah, but I'm so happy I'm hearing Marlena's inner thoughts on the text message issue because, you know, Marlena and I text sometimes too. Marlena asked me about legal issues and we're, we go back and forth. And sometimes I could be on trial, I could be in court, I could be running around, and I don't give your text message <laughs> the right amount, the right amount of, of, no, of no, you have, no, effort. You, no. You, I'm okay. I'm I'm good so far. You have the right level of girth for what I need from you. Right. Okay. That's perfect. I just want to yeah. make sure. Yeah. Because, David's used to hearing because that. now when I see your text message, I'm going to be on extra guard because I don't want to fall into the Frank Morano category of you know of not uh, you know, David, you know here's writing he, sufficient David, messages back. Speaking of your legal expertise, I just want to note that. Um, you know, it was my a younger daughter's birthday. Yes, happy today birthday. or yesterday, rather. Yes, and happy we birthday. did have a sheet cake. And last time uh, you and I sat in the studio, you likened a sheet cake to gerrymandering, and felt like I would be the only one in the room understanding this because I have children who have birthdays. Now, um, how old was your daughter? Six. Six. Now, why wouldn't you go the ice cream cake route? Uh, why would I? Because ice cream cake is so much better than a sheet cake. Because she likes chocolate cake. Oh, is that true? But yes. why not a chocolate ice cream cake? I'll tell you why. Because an ice cream cake is complicated. An ice cream cake, you have to, first of all, it could be too frozen, right? Because then, then, then all, can you imagine 36-year-olds waiting, or 50 or 100, whatever you're having, waiting <laughs> for the ice cream cake to unfreeze? Like, can you imagine this Frank Morano <laughs> with his saw trying to saw the frozen <laughs> cake? A sheet cake's easy. A sheet cake, you go like this. Like this, oh, just, like this, just like gerrymandering. You know, you know just like gerrymandering. <laughs> but understand though. Now, I, I, your point about sawing this cake is well is well uh, taken. That being said, right? I mean, uh, this was not the big party with all the children. This no. is just the family party. Right. There's five of them. Right. right, five, one, one, two, four. Yeah, we had a couple others, but okay, well, but less than ten. Ice cream cake is is far superior. I know, it but is. she eats ice cream every day, oh, okay. almost every right, day so of her life. It's not special, right? Right. He, here's this, right? He, hear me out here on this one. Ready? Mm-hmm. Um, you with the one child who's one year old. Yeah, exactly. Oh, one year old. He, he feels like like five children. Believe me. I love All that right. you gave the guy in a, that's going to Atlantic City some advice. Yeah. 
for oh well this will be great for your four year old and especially for your eight year old. I'm I, like, I know about I, I, I've been around twenty four year olds in my day, especially at the Atlantic City Boardwalk. One word, and it's not plastics like in the Graduate. It, this is a movement that I'm trying to get going, much like my use of the term semi-weekly, which I'm trying to get to catch on. In birthdays, forget about cake. The bar, I think cake is way overrated. Ready for this? Here's the one word. Pie. Pie. Pie is delicious. People love pie. You give people an apple pie, a blueberry pie, a cherry <laughs> pie, whatever, the, whatever yep. your flavor distinction is, a little scoop of ice cream there. This will revolutionize children's birthday parties as we know it. Both very high in fructose, though. What are you going to do about well, that? That's true. Well, it's one day a year. We're giving them a break on that one. All right. Um, now, just before we close the door on the SMS text messaging conversation, so, David, you and I were chatting about you coming on the show, and I'm certainly glad to see you, and I'm glad that you came in, and uh, I have a lot of questions that I want to ask you. However, I asked you via SMS text, I said, please email me whatever topics you're (laughs) interested in discussing. Now, rather than email me, as, say, Marlena did, and a lot of people do, you then chose to immediately send me Uh, an SMS text uh, message back. Why? Okay, okay, I'll I'll tell you exactly why, because... You know, you guys are at different stages with your kids, but my youngest my youngest daughter is a senior at University of Michigan. And yesterday I was I took a one day trip to go to University of Michigan, visit my daughter. Uh we had a great day of stuff and then we went to Michigan basketball last night. And then I so I was just running around. I saw your text. I didn't even read the whole thing. Mm. I just went to the mm. word topics. And then I, I decided to text All right. you back. All right, so. ladies and gentlemen, if you are considering hiring David Schwartz as an attorney, know that uh, he's not reading not reading the whole brief. He's skimming. Yeah, that's right. He's skimming. Well, I do, yeah. Maybe if you pay him an hourly rate, maybe he will. By the way, um, John on Facebook commenting, um, you were terrific filling in for Dominic Carter. Thank you. Uh, I really enjoyed the extra hour, Frank Moreno. Thank you. I'm a big fan. Love your show. Thank you. Marlena Shivo is my favorite guest She's simply the best. Wow. Is this well, that's a turnaround from the, the My I don't know if you noticed the last time I was here, the insults that were hurled at me uh, <laughs> online, uh, how people are turning off the radio. Um, there were really only two women, and they were both named Donna or maybe Debbie. I'm not popular amongst Donnas or uh, Debbies or something. Uh, I'm sure Freud would have a feel. I, I, I agree with that. I think Marlena is the best guest. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I, uh, I do. if you want to have at it and if you want to dispute John's characterization of Marlena as uh, as oh. your, your favorite guest, join the Facebook group and be heard. Uh, Facebook.com slash group slash Radio Morano. Now, uh, Marlena, one thing that we didn't chat about the last time that you were here because, uh, you know, we were talking about other things and we had a lot to get to is your new role of... Uh, producing the uh, Andrew Cuomo podcast. Yes. Uh, how's it going? How do you like it? I know uh, when it comes to a lot of the issues that Andrew Cuomo's known for, you know, uh, vaccine mandates and lockdowns, you guys are on opposite uh, pages. We've talked about that. But just uh, aside from the policy and the politics, how is he as a person to work with? Oh, I love I love Governor Cuomo. I mean, he is honestly so much fun. So it's been four months now um, and it's going well. I think that he is uh, so smart um he's pretty i mean not going what he's pretty easy going you know that's like i'm gonna jinx myself now um and for the most part he has a sense of humor for the most part however i feel like sometimes my jokes fall on deaf ears for example this past week we did a show with migrants right so we had, mm. I had these two migrants that i booked 
um, for him to interview that were bussed from Texas to uh, New York, for, you know, uh, from the governor and everything. So he's so we're, we're going we did the interview. I cut a bunch of clips. I, I think I, I sent you a bunch um, as teasers. And um, I said, should we call this Cuomo Esta? <laughs> That's funny. And I did not get a chortle. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I did not get one. What did you get? I didn't get anything. So then I had to hurl th- <laughs> another joke at him. And I told him if it didn't like invoke any kind of reaction, I was going to withhold all humor going forward in this relationship. All right. Well, so um, uh, so the podcast is called Matter of Fact. Uh, it is, as Andrew yes. Cuomo says, available on Apple. And uh, it uh, it costs money. So the preview episode is free. On Apple. That's right. On Apple. Apple, Apple, Apple Podcast. <laughs> Apple Podcast. at Quake Media. But, th- but that's not what he says. He just says Apple. You can download <laughs> it on Apple. Apple. Just, just look for Apple and the Matter of Fact Podcast. Now, uh, he has made quite a bit of news with this podcast. I want to ask you both about this because a bunch of listeners have actually emailed me about this, and I hope I'm not getting you in trouble by bringing this up, Marlena. But on the latest edition of the Matter of Fact podcast, which was released on Wednesday, the former governor of the state of New York, well, not according to the New York Post. According to the New York Post, it was released on Wednesday. Mm. But uh, what do you know? You only produced the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. According to... um, all of it. Exactly. So um, this is from the latest episode of the Matter of Fact podcast. Former Governor Andrew Cuomo ripping... President Biden's border policy. Here's a little bit of matter of fact. And then the recent sudden shift in President Biden's policy capping Venezuelan entrance to 24,000. That only highlights the mishandling of the entire matter and it resolves nothing. If the president believes his position was right, then stick with your position. If the president believes he made a mistake, then he should have admitted it and reversed course. But there is no middle position. And his shift has now fueled the opposition. It has angered those who supported his original policy. And he winds up reneging on a campaign promise. Uh, this it is a lose, lose, lose. Uh, so this is not from this week's episode? No. So right. uh, the second episode of this entire podcast was that one. It was on immigration. And he did speak. So yes, that, he, that, what I just played, what is that from? That is from the second episode. From oh. this week, this week we spoke to migrants, um, and he did also talk about Biden's policy and his open border and it being a mistake. But that, what you just played, was from the second show we ever did. All right, so uh, we have Al- Alex Barnard uh, to thank, but I, I guess we didn't give him uh, clear instructions. It's my fault, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> it's but, a great clip, n- n- nonetheless. It's okay. a great clip, and I, I have a lot to say about Okay, this so clip. this might be from the latest edition. I'm going to read it, and then i ask you about it, David. Uh, this, what might be from the latest edition of the Matter of Fact podcast, he might have said, It was a mistake for President Biden to open the border without having a plan to handle the tremendous flow of people. (laughs) President Biden had said he would do it in the campaign, but you can't change a policy unless you have the program in place to manage the change. Yes. And he went on to say that politicians make promises in campaigns 
but you cannot enact those promises. Well, his father was yada, famous yada, for yada, saying yada. that we uh, campaign in poetry but govern in prose, right? Um, David, uh, tell me, a lot of people are saying this marks an indication that uh, Andrew Cuomo may be looking to run for president in 2024 or at least make some sort of a political comeback in 2024. Give me your uh, thoughts on what Cuomo said, the substance of it, and what we can read between the tea leaves in terms of political ambitions yeah, he may harbor. Yeah, so th- there's definitely two parts to this. Qu- First of all, I miss Cuomo. I really, I, I miss Governor Cuomo. I thought he was a very effective governor, and the way he went out was a complete bamboozle job. But that I'll leave that aside. Um, bottom line is he's an astute politician. Okay, so I'll talk about the politics first of that comment. Here he has, and he's a very smart man. He's a very intelligent man. He is understanding the politics of the Democratic Party right now, and he's seeing his lane. He sees his lane. People are sick of the Democratic Party, and they're also sick of the Republican Party, okay? They're sick of both parties. I always say I really hate both parties equally because 90, 85% of us are either center-right or center-left, and now both parties are being hijacked by the far right and the far left, and it's very unfortunate. But Cuomo sees this, and I think he sees himself as a, you know, a leader of this new centrist political movement. And I think he's capitalizing on it now. He sees Biden is, you know, pretty much done with, with, you know, he's being influenced by the far left. He's being pulled to the far left. And quite frankly, you know, he, he's not, you know, mentally able to govern anymore. I think people are seeing that uh, from Biden. But that's a whole nother story. He seemed um, pretty astute in the State of the Union address. I, I don't think you don't so. Think so. I, okay. I, I don't agree with that at all. Okay. I, 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 mean, he, I mean, he read off the teleprompter, but when you start fighting with people in the audience during a State right. of the Union, I mean, that was bizarre. That was bizarre. But that, that's a whole nother story. Sure. But I think Cuomo is capturing this centrist movement, and I don't think anyone's going to really care about uh, the the scandal which, 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 you know, which drove him out of office because it's turning out that and, – and I – I knew some of these players personally. I knew a lot of it was nonsense. Okay, but leaving that aside, I think people are going to forget about that. And I do believe. I I I think in a, either in a couple of years or in six years, he can be a presidential candidate trying to capture the middle of the Democratic Party. So I think he sees his lane, and and I I think substance wise. But wouldn't you say he's, he's right always been in that lane? Wouldn't you say you think no. he was? You think he was more left at one point? I, I think he's gone back and forth a little bit. Over, I, I do think um, when he was primaried, uh, he did try to you know a, appease the, the far left a little bit. But I generally I agree with you. That is that's been his brand. That's been his lane. So. But now he's going to take it nationally, though. So well, was it the far left back then, or was it just more left? I think right now we're in a space where it's just, <clears throat> you can't even call it the far left. It is just wokeism right. at the at the next level. And you talk about the political parties, and I think you're right. And I heard you talking about uh, Tulsi Gabbard earlier mm-hmm. and about there being a third party. Like, why is this country so obsessed with having... 17 different genders, but we can only have a two-party system. <laughs> that is such a, a great I, I a actually great think point. Israel does. Israel has like 10 parties, and they all fight with each other all the time. But I think there's something to that because, some, you know, you could you could grab onto one of those parties. But I, I think I agree with you, Marlena. But so far, you know, Cuomo's been on the state level with this sort of 
you know, centrist viewpoint. And he's always been – he's had to go a little bit to the left, but I think he's going to take this nationally yeah. now. I, I mean, that's um, the politics. I, I do, uh, you know, dispute the – the idea that uh, I, I would agree with you, David, that he's v- vacillated a great deal in terms of where he is ideologically over the years. But uh, I, I don't think he's always been centrist, at least in terms of his public positions. I think he's sort of always been whatever he perceives that he needed to be in order to get elected uh, and to get some aspects of his agenda enacted. But uh, Marlena, to the extent that you're, you know, without betraying any confidences or anything, but to the extent that you're comfortable talking about this, what is your take on the uh, the manner in which Governor Cuomo went after President Biden on the border policy, both on the substance and, as you heard from David there, on the politics? Well, you know, this entire time that I've been uh, producing the podcast, he has been, has been very honest about um, you know, both sides. And so it's not just President Biden that he's been critical of. I mean, he's been critical of the Democrats in general for bowing to the far left in, in general. So and he's been very public about it. So I'm not actually speaking out of school or whatever. Um, so and as far as, you know, the 2024 campaign, I definitely cannot speak to that. I have no I have no idea. That is not my that is not my area. But is far, uh, but I think that um, because I keep hearing this anyway, this was not a shocking thing that he said. Mm-hmm. You know, he said it in the second episode, which you just played, and now right. this is the seventeenth episode, and he said it again. Like opening the borders was a mistake. Uh, you know, everybody, every, all the cities now, it's becoming a, a countrywide problem, not just the southern border. That you know, the cities are being overwhelmed, and they're already overstretched as it is with the homeless population and everything else. Um, and then they don't have a plan. They don't have a plan for these people and they don't have it's like they're here and now they're in shelters. They can't actually work and no one knows when they have a court date (laughs) for asylum. If they even can fill out the paperwork for asylum, they can't speak English. You know, they can't speak English. So it, it and they don't have anybody assisting them who can. You know, I had someone translating during this uh, interview, who was just someone who speaks Spanish, happened to be a family that was helping one of the immigrants, um, you know, helped one of the immigrants, like, find an address, and then got to know them, brought them into the church, and helped him and his daughter, because he he's traveling with a 10-year-old daughter. And that's who was translating for him. Now, I don't know who translates for him day to day, but um, it, it's a tough, it's an uphill battle. No, and that's no. just... Two out of now, the twenty four thousand that have remained, according right, to Eric Adams, and counting twenty four thousand yeah. and counting. I, I am not a um, a political fan of Andrew Cuomo. I never voted for him. I, I wouldn't vote for him for anything. But I think if he were, if I were advising him as a political advisor, I would think that if he were to primary uh, Kirsten Gillibrand next year, I think he'd be very well positioned to run against her in a Democratic primary, uh, Some, especially as what appears likely she's going to face a uh, left-wing challenger from an AOC type. It would seem that, you know, he, if that is his brand these days, uh, a centrist within the Democratic Party, that he could win a Democratic primary statewide with that lane. Because, look, you have uh, 30%, maybe 35% that uh, are always going to be with Cuomo if he runs, and another maybe 30% that are always going to be against him. He might be in a position to win with a plurality in a three-way statewide primary next here's, year. Here's the problem with that, Frank, is you know the people, and you know this, the people that come out in a Democratic primary are the far left. For whatever reason, you know, very few people in a primary have been able to invigorate 
this the the masses. But you know what? Eric Adams was able to do that, and you know because Eric Adams compared to the other candidates. I mean, they were so far to the left. Eric Adams was able to find that lane, but in a much bigger primary, you know, there were like six or seven people running in that one. Three people, because, I mean, obviously the Cuomo name is so powerful. Um, it's a possibility, but he would really have to thread the needle in that primary because the people that come out to vote are so far left in those primaries. Yeah, well, like I said, I wouldn't vote for him, but if I were advising him, I would absolutely say that's your best shot for a comeback. Well, wait a second. Wait, wait, you wouldn't vote for him if it was a three-way primary between Cuomo, Gillibrand, and a far-left candidate. Let's say that was your choice, Frank. You wouldn't vote for Cuomo under those circumstances? It would depend on on who the far-left candidate was and what the issues were. You wouldn't consider the far-left candidate. Well, maybe I would. What was your question, though? Well, I just wanted to shift gears for a second because he talked about Eric Adams being the the, the 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 least left of his you know left running mates or whatever. Um, do you now that Eric Adams has been the mayor for what has it been like a year now? Yeah, thirteen months. Yeah. Um, do you think looking at what he's done or what he hasn't done? Do you think that? Curt- and can you even say this? Curtis Sliwa would have done better by this point in terms of crime and the homeless and cleaning up New York? Absolutely. Okay. Exclamation point. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, uh, uh, yeah, that's, I think, a lengthier discussion. But uh, It is a lengthier yes. discussion. But, but I've, I have this argument with people quite a bit, and, and no one believes me that, that, that Curtis Lewell actually would have done a good job. And and I don't and I don't know how to convince them otherwise. No, absolutely. I, I just um, and I'm happy to uh, provide specifics uh, as to why. But I want to I want to. Well, I have my own specifics, and we don't um, have to get into. It. I don't feel like talking about Curtis. I feel like I always end up talking yeah, about Curtis s- when I'm same, here. Same, believe me. <laughs> and it may, it, we're going to give him five hours of content for this weekend. Uh, a bunch of other things that I want to uh, comment on uh, and get you guys to comment on. More importantly. The debate over menthol cigarettes <laughs> it has uh, has captured really the whole country's attention. It's become a racial issue to some extent. And uh, I'm not even sure where we are in terms of what the status of a national menthol cigarette ban is. Uh, I know, uh, David, you have some strong feelings about this. The rationale, I guess, behind it is that there was a ban on flavored cigarettes and that menthol cigarettes are just flavored cigarettes and they should be covered by this flavored tobacco ban. But because uh, this is the brand of choice for many black smokers, this has become a racial issue with forces uh, galvanized on both sides. Here was Carol Magruder. Uh, She is the co-chair of the African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council talking to the L.A. Sentinel about banning menthol cigarettes. Menthol, 80 percent, 90 percent of black smokers who smoke, smoke a mentholated tobacco product. And that's led some people to mistakenly believe that menthol is part of our culture, that it's part of our community. Um, And the reason for that, that such a high percentage of black people smoke mentholated products is because these products were dumped in our communities when I was a teenager um, in the 60s and 70s and seeded. Uh, menthol cigarettes like Dave Chappelle was given free cigarettes when he was 14 at, in Washington, D.C. at the Metro. A mm. uh, young woman uh, who was given cigarettes when she was nine years old, who if she were alive, she would be my age in Boston. Um, so that's the fight and that's the reason why these getting these products are so um, critical to our health. So 45,000 black people die every year from tobacco-induced diseases and that's more than everything else 
combined. So you of, say everything else combined. You're talking about like cancer, about HIV, homicides, HIV, yeah. AIDS, car accidents, all the cancers that are non-tobacco related, breast cancer, prostate cancer, bladder cancer, um, pancreatic cancer. All of these can be, uh, can be caused by different reasons. And one of those reasons could, could be tobacco. California now has a flavored tobacco ban, which I do think includes menthol. And now Governor Hochul is proposing a uh, menthol cigarette ban. Uh, David, wh- where do you come down on the issue of banning menthol She's cigarettes? certainly banning um, the idea of lighting a cigarette with a gas stove. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other story. That is very funny. Uh, I don't know if Governor Cuomo would find it funny, but that is very funny. Uh, It's a disaster. It's a complete disaster. The banning of menthol cigarettes is a disaster. Banning of menthol cigarettes on a statewide level is a disaster because um, not only are are there racial issues, which is not – there are plenty of um, members of the the black community who articulate the racial issues. My articulation is the small business issue and how it affects – Small businesses. A a menthol ban is not going to hurt big tobacco. It's going to hurt all the small stores that we see in New York City. It's going to hurt the wholesale uh, community and the distribution community. What happens, Frank, is right now because of the high taxes on cigarettes. And by the way, the comments that I heard about you know the health issues, it's not just for menthol cigarettes. All cigarettes cause health issues. We know that, okay? But in New York State, you cannot build a wall around the city. You can't build a wall around New York State. So because of our high taxes, because we're the highest tax city in the nation, um, we have illegal cigarettes coming into New York, and it is an epidemic. It's by epidemic pro- proportions. New York State is losing $2.5 billion, with a B, billion dollars a year due to untaxed illegal cigarettes Coming up the I-95 corridor from North Carolina, well, from I, Virginia, and from Georgia. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people would argue that we should do a better job cracking down on illegal cigarettes. But right. what does that have to do oh, with the proposed okay. menthol So ban? I'm getting to that. So that's just on the illegal cigarette side. If you have a menthol ban in New York, it is going to be um, – it's going to be a, 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 a illegal cigarettes coming into the marketplace – Beyond belief. So already it's bad. Already the government can't stop these illegal cigarettes from coming in. So now with a menthol ban, you're going to have new ports coming in like they are in California right now, like they are in um, Massachusetts, the other state that ban- that has a menthol ban. Um, you-, you cannot close – if you're going to have a menthol ban, you're going to have high taxes. you got to close down the marketplace so the consumers can't buy it. From other states. So now it's coming in by the truckload. People are making millions and millions of dollars bringing illegal cigarettes into our city. And who's getting hurt? Our bodegas are getting hurt. Our convenience stores are getting hurt. And our our local distributors are getting hurt. That is not the way to solve a smoking issue. You have to have a national solution. So what we're advocating is wait for the FDA. Wait for the national solution on menthol on, on a flavor ban. Because if there's a national solution, then our local businesses won't get hurt. The other solution is... Generative I- AI. You can like speak that. to a computer and say, can you make me a menthol cigarette? <laughs> and then one just pops into your hand virtually. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's coming in by the truckload. And yet now you have all these illegal shops 
all right, which are, again, an epidemic in New York City. You have illegal smoke shops, and to me, they're criminal enterprises, okay? They are selling illegal cigarettes, they're selling illegal marijuana, and they're selling illegal flavored vapes, all illegal in the state of New York. So, so the government, in its infinite wisdom, you know, you have these legislators that don't understand the distribution business. They don't understand the wholesale business. They don't understand the retail business. And they snap their fingers and they say, I want to have a menthol ban or I want to have a flavored. And, and they think they're solving the world's problems. They're not. They're creating criminal enterprises in New York City, New York State, and we can't allow this to continue to happen. Speaking of the illegal smoke shops, I actually need to know this because there are only two – Not, and I'm not a pot smoker – but there are only two um, marijuana – like legal marijuana shops, right, in, in New York City. Um, but what I don't understand is – actually, it was Governor Cuomo. Didn't he make – it legal for uh, not medical marijuana, but for um, for recreational use. Uh, well, Wasn't uh, yeah, it began yes. with him. Yeah, yeah, it began with him. Okay, fine. But if you don't manufacture the marijuana in the state of New York and then sell it in the state of New York, you can't actually get a license to sell it in New York. So if they're not growing marijuana in New York, how how do you end up? How do you end up? You know, putting the product in the stores that are that have a license. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why can't you why can't it go from one state where the where the states are growing it? If you're going to make it legal, where do you get the supply from if you're not growing it in the state that you made it legal in? Am I making sense? No, no, you make perfect sense. So why would they do that? Well, because they want to keep it all in New York, right? So, so uh, you know, Frank, maybe you want to jump in on that one, but but uh, that I mean, that's not my issue. But what's happening because of that? But you issue, said illegal no, smoke shops. No, 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 but, yeah. no, no. Because of these illegal smoke shops, though, they're just criminal. But they're ent- creating those illegal smoke shops by not really oh, no, having a no, system. Not. No, but by yeah. not having a system in place for what, what we're talking about. No, 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 no. I understand, but, Marlene. I I, yeah. I know what you're saying, and I think. You're 100% right. Well, they're starting to grow it in New York now, right? So we're starting to we're starting to see that now, but I don't think that's the impetus for the illegal smoke shops. They're just they're, these are just opportunists that see the government not able to crack down. They are getting the marijuana from other states, right. and they're selling it illegally. And, and, yeah. and David, just so and they fo- always have folks but, yeah. know right. fully your perspective and where you're coming from uh, on this. I am I am sure that in your role as a lobbyist, there's some group opposed to the menthol ban oh, yeah. that you're working for, oh, right? Of course, yes. All right. So yes. you do have a, a dog oh, oh, no, no, financially I do. I, in the fight, I, I right? do. I have multiple interests in this fight, but I believe in what I say, and I see how it's affecting my clients. I'll say it right on my – I see how this is adversely affecting my clients, the high taxes. But it, and, it would seem and, to be the, the logical consequence of what you're saying is to lobby for better enforcement of on yes. tax cigarette sales. That's yes, where but that should be the first thing that we do. Before we get to a menthol ban, why? we no, have to but, gain control but, of the marketplace. With, with all, all these other flavors of tobacco banned, why should menthol – somehow be exempt from a flavored tobacco ban. And when Al Sharpton uh, said it, we found out he was getting paid by the big tobacco companies. Well, so he had a financial interest in it. I just I don't understand uh, why menthol should be special. But then ban all cigarettes then. Why is that more uh, special than a regular cigarette? It's, 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 the, it's, well, it's, a, it's ridiculous. Well, oh, we're going to pick on menthol because it's the menthol that's really well, hurting everybody, but not the regular cigarettes. Right, so if you want to have comprehensive cigarette uh, 
new legislation, then it should be comprehensive cigarette legislation. It shouldn't just ban menthol. And 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 all you're doing, Frank, is hurting the small businesses out here. We're down to 4,990 hey. cigarette licenses in New York City, down from 11,000. And we need to have more cigarette licenses so we could sell the product in brick-and-mortar stores. By the way, where they card the consumer. All right. I got to take yeah. a break. We're, right. we're late, way late here. Uh, okay. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a moment. Seventh caller to uh, – not 15 seconds of fame. We're going to do a $1,000 minute in a moment. Seventh caller right now to 800-848-9222. We're going to give you an opportunity to win $1,000. That's 800-848-9222. If you can answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds, and then we'll continue with David Schwartz and Marlena Shivo. A, a great deal to get to over the course of the next 20 minutes. It's been a a a, a, a fiery uh, 40 minutes thus far, and we're just getting started to be continued. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Seasons singing about Marlena. I am uh, fortunate enough to be sitting next to Marlena Shivo and David Schwartz. Uh, David Schwartz, a very accomplished attorney, lobbyist, and TV analyst. Marlena Shivo, a very accomplished media producer and mom. And um, we're going to try and give away a thousand dollars in just a minute to somebody that has the the wherewithal to answer ten trivia questions in sixty seconds as part of the other side of midnight presents. It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Uh, Thank you, Chris Liberty. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Let's say hello to Simon in Brooklyn. Hello, Simon. Yeah, Frankie, how you doing? I heard the other guy speaking about he's busy with the taxes, with the cigarettes. Um, I, I think we have a bigger problem. You have like, millions of offices are empty. I was in the city today. One of, millions of offices are all closed down. Yeah, most of the people are gone. It's a ghost Son, town. you want to win some money? Yeah, sure. All right. You know the rules, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. What sporting event is taking place on Sunday? The Super Bowl. What children's author wrote The Cat in the Hat? Um, Super Bowl. Um, I'm not. Uh, I don't know. Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat. Just name any oh, children's wow. author. Oh, maybe um, uh, he's Cat in the Hat. He doesn't actually have a medical degree, but he's Cat in the Hat. Oh my God! It's the middle of the night. It's hard to figure out. Okay, I'm just thinking Cat in the Hat. Rhymes with Zeus, the Greek god Zeus. Oh, Greek god Zeus. Oh, right. I think yeah. No, nothing. Nothing? Nothing. I, I can't. All I right. Can't. So it's Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. That's right. All right. Exactly. Very politically incorrect. I don't blame you. You're clearly I'm a very so woke, woke gentleman. You don't uh, embrace the politically incorrect writings of Dr. Seuss. Thank you, Simon. I'm sorry things didn't work out better, but at least I have uh, all these questions that I can save for uh, for Monday's edition. <laughs> the $1, I, $1, I do agree with Simon on the office. 
buildings. I mean, that that's another disgrace. That I mean, Manhattan. Well, I, I mean, I, New York City's draw was always these offices and the hustle and bustle of working in Manhattan. And now we have a culture where you know people are working remotely and. Right. It, it's just bad for New York City. I was, Sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. I was poised to agree with Simon until he couldn't come up with Dr. Seuss. Now I don't want to agree with Simon <laughs> on anything. <laughs> All right. There's a lot of concerns about AI. And uh, Microsoft and Google, they are basically in a new space race to equip their search engines with AI. In the New York Times today, their tech columnist says he's done with Google. He is switching to Bing. That's how impressive the uh, the resources and investment that Microsoft has made with Bing, their search engine. Uh, you have had some experience with AI, haven't you, Marlena? <laughs> um, not too much, but I'm actually a little against what's going on now that everything can be just sort of put into a computer sure. and, and come out because like what are our what are our kids going to end up doing right so like you're lucky because your kids are older and they went through like a normal process of yeah. living except they probably had phones most of the time but if you can tell a computer that you know you want to write a story a, a love not you know a novel and it and it outputs a novel like you where what what will our kids end up doing? What will anybody end up well, doing? Well, and that's just one area of life. I mean, you talk about artists. Uh, you talk about lawyers. Uh, now, one of them was able to pass some medical licensing exams. Uh, uh, I shudder to think about what it means for radio talk show hosts in the future. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, you could do a lot of things. But, you know, I decided to test it oh, out, boy. Frank. And um, I, I, I wanted um, to write – I wanted to see what it would happen if I asked um, Chat – GDP to write a poem, oh boy. and that poem is about you. Oh boy! Okay, are you ready, I'm ready to hear what happened? Can't wait. Okay, Frank Morano, a poem. Frank Morano is Frank Morano is up all night, continuously squawking. Even with laryngitis, he finds a way to keep talking <laughs> and talking. Frank is everyone's friend, and to some, he's a brother. He loves Staten Island seemingly more than his own mother. <laughs> for years, Frank would read an ad for tea that promotes digestive improvements. That's right. But I think he just really enjoyed talking about his bowel movements. <laughs> if given the choice, it's Atlantic City that Frank chooses, which is baffling. Because this guy just plays until he loses. Frank celebrates Christmas and his in-laws, Hanukkah. He enjoys his cigars, but not as much as Bill and Monica. <laughs> Frank is married to a woman, so it would appear that he is straight. But he is so clearly gay for William Shatner, I think... His sexuality is still up for debate. Is, is this really written by wow. a computer? Okay. This is a very judgmental computer. I had it write a poem in tribute to me. None of that stuff was in there. The, but what did you have to feed to the computer to to get this? Like, like, like what? What were the cert, Were there certain terms you like? Did you give the computer Staten Island? I think it was just a a tribute poem, but I'll show you the one because I read it on the air. I won't won't subject the audience to it. But how does it get made? Like. I don't know, because I wrote that myself. Ah, <laughs> I, I See, I, no wonder. I was thinking ar- that artificial intelligence is not that intelligent. Meanwhile, the poem it wrote for me was very, very good.
I thought. I like the bowel yeah. movement part. Thank you very much. Uh, let me ask True. both of you um, about uh, the Super Bowl on Sunday. First of all, what are you, what, any rooting interests, any predictions, both of you, Eagles, Chiefs, where do you see it going? Oh, oh I don't know. I guess the Eagles. Eagles, okay. Is uh, that because you're a Jersey girl? No, you, you know? I actually do not like the Eagles at all. Um, <clears throat> but I feel like they want it more. David, what do you think? I, I, I really, I have no rooting interest. Uh, um, I, I really, I, I have no feel for it. You know, I like, I like Mahomes. So, you know, I, I love that whole story. Um, but I'm going to sit there and, you know, relax. I'm going to be with some friends. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Are you going, going to, to a party? Game. Are you hosting? What's I, this I'm not hosting. I'm going to a friend's house. My my friend is hosting and we're, there'll be a bunch of people there. So I'm going to sit back. I just want to see a good game. All right, I want to pick your brain both on uh, pick both of your brains on something that uh, we learned yesterday that President Biden turned down the opportunity to be interviewed by Fox during the Super Bowl. Fox, when they've hosted these Super Bowls, even when uh, there have been Democratic presidents, they have you know generally agreed to be interviewed. We saw um, you know uh, Bill O'Reilly interview Donald Trump when he was with Fox. We've seen uh, Bill O'Reilly interview Barack Obama. I think there was even a Hillary Clinton uh, Bill O'Reilly Super Bowl interview. I'm wondering at a time when it looks like Biden's clearly running, was it a mistake? For him to turn down an opportunity to reach out to people that might be non-political who were watching the Super Bowl and people that might be conservative and predisposed not to like him. Uh, I don't know about that because I do think there is something to his mental state. And I think that I know you somebody thought he did. You thought he did well. well in I the didn't, state of I the didn't Union. watch it, but I, oh. the reviews that I read gave him uh, high marks for mental acuity. But I, but he is reading a teleprompter and he is prepped for those for these big speeches, right? So um, if you're in an interview, I don't care how much you prep for it. I mean, you can be thrown off quite easily. And he has has had so many gaffes over the years, even as vice president, that I, I don't know. I think it would just – anything he says – Less that, he says, the better, you think. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, I think that's a point well taken. Um, but generally speaking, speaking – I, I think it's a lost opportunity. I think it's if if the if the reasons for not going on it's because it is because it's being covered by Fox. All right, that if it's if it's because it's being covered by Fox and Biden doesn't want to appear on Fox and and that whole thing, that's really a poor reason to not do a Super Bowl interview. It's a lost opportunity. There should be collegiality there and there should be this sense of you know, like you pointed out, getting your message out to the entire country right. to a super, but it's not a political event. It's a Super Bowl. Well, but right. but Marlena's national... point is well taken there. If he can't handle it, if he can't handle that interview. Then then he shouldn't he's, do the interview. He's already has he already has like a low approval rating, and people are very very um, critical of his mental state. And if he proves further that those people are right, it's not going to bode well for him. But yes, a national football game, which is like, you know, this is an American event all the way. The American president should absolutely do an interview. I don't care who it's with. Yeah. The, um, you know, to your point, he has done fewer sit down uh, interviews at this point in his presidency than I think any president uh, from going back all the way to Nixon. I, I So maybe there's something to this uh, base 
replacement strategy that worked out well for him in uh, in 2020. Hey, speaking of Biden's and the State of the Union, a lot of people making an issue of the Jill Biden encounter with the second gentleman, uh, Doug Emhoff, uh, as uh, two people that uh, kind of make your li- living analyzing things and uh, thinking about what other people are saying and knowing what other people mean, even when they don't mean them. Uh, what's your take on this Jill Biden, Doug Emhoff situation? I have one thing to say about it, and that is between Joe Biden's border and Jill's kiss with Kamala's husband, I would say the Bidens struggle with boundaries. (laughs) Okay. That's very good. I I, I, I don't have much to add. I I, I agree. You have to be cognizant of your surroundings. When When you're under the spotlight like that, you just have to... Uh, be cognizant that that's going to become an issue if you kiss the second husband on on the lift. Have we all been in a situation though where you go to kiss someone on the cheek and then they right. move in a certain direction and then it looks like you're kissing them on the lips if you get them in that instant? Well, I don't know because that looked very natural. They just really? went up to each other and kissed each other on the lips. Um, so yes, I know what look, you're saying, but it didn't look like that. that. That's why I don't run for office. That's why. Good That's people why. don't run for political the, the, office the, because I like the private citizen David Schwartz. Okay, just like Cuomo. So you can kiss other I, people's wives in private. Hu- I am a hugger. <laughs> I am a kisser. I I I'm I'm very affectionate You're to a, people. A bail reform when I, signer. When I saw Marlena today. I gave a her a giant hug at two thirty in the morning, at three in the morning, whatever it was. When I saw you, that's just the way I am. And you greeted and me by the with way, tongue. That's the way yeah. Cuomo is, yeah. and you know. That's why I refuse to run for public office. That's why. Well, <laughs> well it's the, the public that misses out. Uh, David, Marlena, thank you both. It's always thank a treat you. to see you both. Let's do this again soon. Uh, David, if people want to hire you in case they commit a crime or in case they need a good lobbyist, what's the best way for them the, to get the in touch The best way to reach me is um, you can reach me. Uh, you can go onto, the, onto my website, go onto schwartzdefense.com or gothamgr.com, uh, 917-566-5425. <laughs> And and you could reach me. And, you you uh, don't know what audience you're giving your number like, to. Man. I love talking to people. So He's like, you can find me, me on Tinder. <laughs> you can find me on Farmers Only. Call me up. We'll I talk about lobbying issues, legal issues. All right. Uh, so, again, if people want to debate the menthol cigarette ban, there's yeah. no need to email me. Email David. He'll, 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 ta- he'll take you over. Marlene, if people want to find you, the best way to do it is for social media these days um, or Substack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, social media. Just Instagram. And Twitter, although I spend more time um, on uh, Andrew Cuomo's um, social media pages than my own these days. Which is available on Apple, thankfully. All right, Marlena Schiavo and David Schwartz, we'll do 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. The sun goes down. You might need a 
Stevie G and the Bale Reformers singing The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, we will end the week. Hopefully I'll see you, a lot of you tonight in Red Bank or tomorrow in uh, Englewood, New Jersey. Uh, still tickets available for tomorrow night, by the way. Bergenpack.org. Uh, just order with the promo code uh, Frank and Jay. But we'll end the week as we do each and every program. Other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of faith. Vito! Tommy! Uh, join us. Uh, I, hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed the Lion Biden State of Confusion and Delusion Address. Join us next year for an encore performance of Lies and Deceit. Char- Charlie and Queens. I'm so jealous of you getting to sit down with Mr. Shatner. But I did go to his one-man show a couple years ago, and I sat up front, and I got sprayed by his spit. Excellent. I'm envious of you. Ron in White Plains. Look online at the Dobbs-Ferry Deli shooting. The Dobbs-Ferry Deli shooting. Look online. Carmine in Freeport. Hello. I was a friend with uh, uh, Liam Shatner. I'm 87 years old. Good luck, and make sure you don't crap in your pants. Mike in Montclair. Good morning, Frank. Enjoy your time with Mr. William Shatner. A couple of suggestions. Don't wear your Spock ears. And no questions in regard to his pronunciation of the word sabotage. That might not end well. All right. On that note, that slams the lid on things for today. Have a great weekend. You want to stay in touch, uh, you can email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Frank Morano, good day.